What is going on, everybody? It is episode 47. Oh my god, 47 of Pop Culture Crisis. I am here with my co host. Introduce yourself, please. Miracle Sam, nice to meet you. How are you doing today? I'm great, and I'm so excited because we have our poor man, Jack Posobiec. He's on. the rich man. The Jack rich man, Jack Posobiec, <laughs> up here, I believe. Thank you for In- clarifying that. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Chris Carr, the executive editor mm-hmm. at TimCast.com. Breaking news every day and working with some awesome rock star journalists. Yep. He said that with a lot of authority, the same way Hannah Claire um, announces her status as head writer, mm-hmm. right? That's what she says, head, yeah, head writer. she's the head writer, while both Brett and I, Brett is just the... Um, he's the host of Pop Culture Crisis, and I'm just customer service. I'm just a <laughs> humble. Technically, I'm a producer. Yeah, you uh, are producer host. I'm produce. I'm I'm uh, I'm actually the Justice League of, <laughs> of yes. this. Yes, I love um, that. Uh, I am the, the the Trinity. I'm I'm both uh, Superman, Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm also Wonder Woman. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, you got a uh, dunk dunk. Yes, that is true. Uh, speaking of Wonder Woman, we're going to talk about Wonder Woman today. Uh, mm-hmm. wait, there's an article uh, from Cosmic Book News about HBO Max subscribers in Wonder Woman 1984, and I am going to critique the journalism a little bit here, um, as I've found to enjoy doing, especially from outlets that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to hold them accountable in a good way, yes. like to, to call them out on certain aspects of it, uh, where, where I think they editorialize, where I don't think it needs to be done. I understand that you've got your base, your audience, and you want to mm-hmm. placate to that. We're also going to talk about episode four of season two of Superman and Lois. We are going to talk about Jurassic World and the idea that they think it's actually possible that they wouldn't make another one after this one, as if Hollywood has any self-control at all mm-hmm. uh, in that world. And then we're also going to talk about SEAL Team getting a season i want to talk about that in regards to how streaming content is changing the way shows are renewed and how studios are looking at these types of projects now and we've also got ricky gervais uh being ricky gervais with his uh self-promotion which he is an absolute genius Mm -hmm. genius at so uh if you're ready i'm just gonna we're just gonna get right into it chris is not um watching superman and losa well unfortunately we have to have like uh days where we have certain shows that we're reviewing week to week but we don't always know who's going to be available to be a guest on that day Mm -hmm. so I don't know who's going to be able to, you know, then they'd have to start the show from the beginning. So you got to kind of bear with us while me and Miracle pick this one apart. Um, I'll critique your critique. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, synopsis-wise, basically Clark is uh, dealing with Bizarro Superman uh, along with uh, John Henry Irons yep. as Steel. Uh, his daughter is helping him rebuild the Steel suit and also um, kind of still coming to terms with the fact that they're in this place where they weren't at before and they're getting used to living here again mm-hmm. she's developing a friendship with jonathan who's taking super meth who's taking super meth that we talked about <laughs> last time. it's literally they said it's like what did, what did they call it but last time they're like it's a crystal it's like a crystal that only grows in smallville yeah exactly like, super meth um, <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't want to know like uh you know like uh what super tweaker looks like but we're eventually going to find that out well if you watch in this episode, you kind of see it in Jonathan because, like, his eyes turn, like, solid black. Like, oh, yeah. his pupils, like, basically expand to the point where, like, he can see far out. Yep. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. Uh, but, uh, he, yeah, he's he's definitely looks like he's coming down off something. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan uh, is re uh, reinitiating his relationship with the girl who cheated <laughs> on him uh, because simp and because yeah. uh, and, and then he also is going on his own journey with his powers where he's going to work with his grandfather mm-hmm. uh, General Lane uh, uh, to develop his powers because they feel like with Bizarro Superman having this uh, being so formidable uh, against 
you know, Clark that mm-hmm. he feels like he needs to be ready. And they didn't do the thing where he's like, you're not ready. Like, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll train you. Like, I, I thought they were going <laughs> to yeah. make it make a bigger deal about that. And then, of course, the, the, the weakest story, I think, is the Cushing's political ambitions as Lana Lang yeah. is running for what mayor of a town Don't forget Sarah's quinceañera. Yeah, and then there's weird comments about Sarah having a quinceañera, quinceañera. Uh, uh, where they act as if nobody in Smallville has ever heard of such a thing because this isn't because they th- they're pretending like uh, they can't resist taking shots and act like this is America in the fifties or the forties mm-hmm. and act like these people have never actually uh, experienced anything outside of their small town before. Uh, and then we also got some uh, info about the husband about Kyle. Mm-hmm. Kyle, is that his, I was, yeah, yeah, his uh, name is Kyle. Uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Cushing at the end. Uh, and then some stuff with in the big story I left till the end is the the number one through line other than Clark's story is mm-hmm. Lois Lane's sister makes her appearance in this uh, Lucy yeah Lucy Lane I legit think they only added that storyline to make fun of the actress who played in Smallville where she was in the cult <laughs> yeah they're, 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 this is like a cult storyline but they're also drawing it into now I knew this had to happen basically they're uh, they're calling Lois's journalistic integrity into into Fake question news. because she wrote this story about this cult leader as a way of trying to get her sister out of this cult uh, and they, I, I don't think I heard the term fake news. I did hear what I, I literally wrote it down because it made me laugh so much. I said that sounds like bias. Uh, the sister <laughs> says to her, uh, and also they use the word like the, the, so. It's like it's literally phrased as like this cult leader. It's this lady who's got this real. Uh, her name is. Um, uh, Raya Kilstead, mm-hmm. who's got a her, the character's name's Allie Alston, but she's got a real Robin Wright in uh, in uh, House of Cards thing mm-hmm. going on with her look, uh, and she uses the term "canceled," and it's just really uh, what I found is that I don't even hate these types of like what they would what we would call woke storylines. Mm-hmm. I hate buzzwords. That's what takes me out of all. It's like nobody writes evergreen anymore. Everybody mm-hmm. writes as if it's current year. Mm-hmm. And the goal you should have is that in 10 years, the dialogue won't sound uh, hokey. Yeah. Right? yeah you're, you're turning it into a period piece. That's yes. the worst. That's the worst. I, I hate that, too. I blame Joss Whedon for that, for the, in, the incessant need to have uh, pop culture references in everything mm. that he does. Though, oddly enough, that does a better job of being evergreen, because technically when they use those references, it tends to be stuff that stand the test of time, back mm-hmm. to the future, uh, Star Wars, things that everybody knows of, even if it's not current year yeah. but when they're using words like like i said uh implicit bias and canceled and all this stuff i'm like you just sound like a twitter head in 2022 um and that doesn't really work for me uh, that is few it's not as bad as some shows so i'll give them that the the melodrama is to be expected um whether you've got the they've they've kind of eased up on lois and clark yeah. fighting uh which is good because that was the worst part of the first episode is lois just being a an absolute dick to to clark the whole time and yep. clark being an absolute you know he just lets it happen because he can't uh you know if he fights back he's gonna hurt somebody um, the, I do think that having Lana run for mayor, they used a line, I, I kid you not, last week they said, get a woman to do a, a mayor's job. And I literally almost <laughs> turned the show off. I was like, these, these, they're acting as if no woman has ever been mayor of a town before. Yeah. Like, I don't know if any of these writers have ever actually lived outside of their Hollywood bubble, you know? 
Like right. they, they, they really don't know that all over, like, believe it or not, there's women and there's people of color that are in politics all over this country. But if you ro- watch stuff like this, you'd act like she was the Rosa Parks of female <laughs> politicians and she's about to break the glass ceiling here in Smallville. Uh, I will say that the guy, the guy they have as the mayor who they're, they're having play a scummy mayor mm-hmm. is fantastic as scummy mayor. He doesn't get much to do, but he's very good when he has to be scummy asshole mayor. Yeah. And I like that. Um, they're they're hinting at a storyline where Kyle has had like I'm guessing that was an affair they're yeah, trying to hint at. It was an affair. They, they think it's about like uh, the the poli- the scummy mayor guy is like a you know a guy who likes tequila as much mm-hmm. as you or something like that. You yeah. think they're gonna call out his uh, the fact that he's like her husband Lana Lang's husband and this is an, a recovering alcoholic, mm. uh, which I think they've actually handled quite well. Yeah, he's uh, overcome. They they made it like a storyline, but they didn't make it like an afternoon, like an after school special. He's still a husband. He's still a father. He has his struggles, but he's currently sober, and that's really all you can ask of storytelling like this to not turn it into edutainment. Mm. Um, uh, but I thought they were going to make it about that, and they ended up making it about this. Uh, he's worried that they're going to. Lana's worried that his drinking is going to come out. He's worried that this, what I'm assuming is this affair, is going to come out because he goes into this bar mm-hmm. that he used to go to, and the bartender and him share this moment. Um, I'm getting through this first because I, I do think that it's a waste of Emmanuel Shrieky, uh, who's a fantastic actress in this in this role. I, I'd rather see her on another show as a lead character than playing second, uh, you know, second tier. On the show, the guy who plays Kyle uh, is Eric Valdez is very good as mm-hmm. the husband. Um, he was very annoying in season one, but he was supposed to be. Now in season two, he's playing this redemption arc, and he fits that role really, really well. The biggest loser in all of it is the guy who plays John Henry Irons, yeah. who gets like two epi- two scenes an episode. And he's like the best part of every scene he's in. And this character of Steel is good enough to have its own show. Yeah. And they can have a multiverse where Shaq comes back and plays Steel again. <laughs> right. Wouldn't Wouldn't that, be like inc- that would be awesome. Be yeah. I'm catching up right now by just kind of like watching some scenes from this series that I didn't even know yeah. existed. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's like, pretty they interesting. They didn't really advertise it, it because I didn't know about it until Brett told me. And it's killing in the ratings compared to everything mm-hmm. else in the CW. It's nice. the only one that breaks a million um, consistently. I think it was just under last week, but it's still very... Most of those shows do 400,000. <laughs> 500,000 right, viewers. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they... Uh, wh- what I can tell you now is that season one's budget was backed by HBO Max. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so there was a lot more action. This season, they've kept the same level of CGI as far as quality. There was one really bad shot of John yeah. Henry Irons flying forward that looked really fake. It was like all their budget... They, they did... Have you ever seen any of the Iron Man movies? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where Iron Man like literally jumps into his suit almost. Yeah. Um, they did this on a TV budget last week and it looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where all the money went because this week they just had him flying in the suit and it looked really bad. <laughs> uh, so I think they're in this constant like the the teen drama and the family drama which admittedly with the name of a show like Superman and Lois, it's not just about Superman is going to take precedence but a lot of that has to do with they just don't have the budget for you know, mm-hmm. long-term uh, CGI uh, fight scenes. Like they're fighting in what was it like Peru or something? This episode, yeah. so it's like a barren salt flat. It's like <laughs> we had a studio. We had to like literally paste the walls with uh, green screen. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, that's all they could afford. Like, why aren't they fighting in the front lawn? Because right, right. it's easier to animate the barren salt flats. Yeah. Um. Uh. It flowed pretty well. Uh. I. I. I really hated the the uh, the. 
the cult stuff. Yeah, I it's didn't like that. The, that actress, mm-hmm. the actress who plays Lucy, is actually from. She played. She first appeared in Supergirl, and she's the only one to reprise her role other than Tyler Hoechlin uh, uh, and um, Bitsy Tulloch. Yeah, the only one that's portrayed the same character. Mm-hmm. In this show, this one's technically supposed to be taking place on another Earth in the multiverse. Mm. Uh, so uh, it's really weird that they brought what? her back, and they're saying she's nothing. From what I read, because I didn't watch Supergirl, she's nothing like her character in Supergirl. So I'm wondering if they're going to do Bizarro Lucy, just like they're doing Bizarro Superman. Right, right. Well, Supergirl wasn't a bad series until like CW went downhill later seasons. No, it was a bad series. No, no, no <laughs> I like CW starts downhill the, in my view. So <laughs> it, it I mean, started like, on CBS. Uh, uh, oh, I so see. It looked better in season one, yeah. and there was slightly less agenda because CBS, as far as age demographics, skews way up there. Right, uh, right. As far as like your, uh, yeah, those are gonna you're gonna have to deal with that. That was that's yeah. a, quite a shock. Um, <laughs> CBS, CBS, uh, as far as their demographics, skews way higher in age than your mm-hmm. average network. That is true, um, but CBS does produce really good TV shows sometimes. No, they don't. A, oh, really? These are legacy media companies. How, how, how I don't understand how anybody. Can watch ABC, C- CBS, NBC, At least they Fox. haven't in a while. P- a person of interest I, was CBS, and it felt like a show that deserved to be on cable. But it was a Jonathan Nolan creation, uh, and that's that goes a long way when you're, you know, it was Jonathan Nolan, it was J.J. Abrams produced it, but wasn't involved in the writing, thank God. Is Jonathan Nolan a Christopher, Christopher Nolan's, Nolan's brother? Okay, he so wrote, that's like three allergies piling up, uh, so th- three strikes for me. The British... The British, the Nolan, and yeah. Legacy uh, Media. Yeah. He's a. Uh, I love. I love Jonathan. I, I. I was not a fan of Westworld season two, but that's purely preference. They made Scorpion and Limitless. Um, I'm just searching. Oh, yeah. What I'm did the, you just say? No, she, she, she's right. <laughs> I'm dying. One of the. I, I mentioned. It, I don't know if it was an episode you were on. One of the greatest tragedies that's ever been in a net, in in a world where Batwoman gets three seasons. The fact that the Limitless TV show only got one is a tragedy. I will never mm. understand. It was mm-hmm. so incredibly good for something that was literally like taken you know it's everything you expect uh, like a, a movie a show based on a movie would be they can't afford to get Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. yeah. he makes like four episode appearances but they have to get you know actors that aren't his level of right. uh, it had um, uh, Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter mm. yep uh, it had um I always forget his name. The, he was from Covert Affairs and he was from CSI New York and he was from uh I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he had these really great TV actors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, there's no way the show should have worked. But it absolutely did. And but it's it a only, good premise. It, it was a fantastic premise. Yeah. And it only got one season. Mm-hmm. And in a world where, like I said, where Batwoman gets three seasons, that's a tragedy to me. But that was right. a CBS show. Scorpion was a CBS show. Yep. Um, um, also, Star Trek was on CBS. Yeah, but that's like old. Oh, okay, like, fine. We're talking fine. current year uh, yeah. network shows. Or then like, current uh, year, Drawn Together, that cartoon series where they make satire a about all cartoon series like they made fun of Betty Boop where she's just an old old woman who's trying to live like her olden times where like she used to be the star but she's a little bit fatter (laughs) and then they made fun of Disney because they have like a Disney princess but like she curses Sounds about right. Yeah. The, the guardrails that are placed on these legacy media <laughs> products are just too uh, distasteful for me. I just I just can't watch it. That's but, true. But they, one thing that you mentioned that was, was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So there there may be a potential uh, metaverse angle in the Superman series. Yes. yes. So that means that potentially there could be a Dean Cain Superman that shows up. There could be I think he a did, hologram. I think he did show up in the, <laughs> really uh, in when when they did Crisis on Infinite Earths. 
Uh, I think he did. I don't know if he did, but I know for a fact that Brandon Routh re- nice. became uh, super. Uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, he did his. T- he re- he reinvigorated his 2006 Superman Returns character, uh, and then they got all the versions. Like they got Tom Welling back as nice. Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, it's still the CW. It's still right, not right. really well written. But they they got the original. The guy who played the original uh, um, uh, Flash. Uh, to come back no kidding for for the wow. flash tv show as barry's dad you see i'm old enough plays, to remember that series yes and lois and clark yes the abc series right yeah um they they were able to bring in uh, they were able to negotiate tom ellis to come in as lucifer wow. all the way over from netflix nice to so that's pretty they, cool yeah and they had they even had ezra miller come in and shake barry's hand on that show for like i'm sure they could wow. afford about an eighth of a day of ezra <laughs> miller's <laughs> right uh but i'm guessing because those are they're all under contract through the same media companies mm-hmm. sure, it's all sure. warner brothers in the end um uh before they were i think that was prior to their sale to discovery um any chance that terry hatcher made an appearance i don't think so as an alternate lois i don't all think right. I, I don't okay. think she did well boy can dream but they <laughs> but they brought back all these characters and if but if the problem is when you do they even had um the guy who pl- i always forget his name the guy who voices bruce wayne from batman beyond the very famous bruce wayne who mm. did uh in the animated series right in beyond they had him play live action uh Batman Beyond without nice. a costume but just old Bruce Wayne That's and they cool. absolutely no it was they ruined it uh, they, not they, cool they turned him into an asshole uh, oh, it's awful wow. yeah and it was like the that that all fell apart there plus they they, they ruined Oliver Queen's character in that yeah. show at the end and that's uh, he to this to my uh, the first two seasons of, of Arrow stand up against any superhero TV show being made right now that's that's for sure uh, I do think that going forward they should focus more on Superman versus Bizarro I know that yeah. that's wishful thinking because the budget just isn't there to do Tyler Hawkland does a good job as both Superman and Bizarro Superman that's m- more of his acting range than him yeah. I made the comment last week whenever he's like fighting with Lois he sounds like uh, Napoleon Dynamite it's like I don't know Lois God <laughs> like uh, he's a very handsome dude but I, I don't think dr- that type of drama is really his strong suit yeah playing stoic um, kind of caring dad works for him but fighting with Lois isn't really a strong suit but he does do the the bits where he's like having the migraine the mm-hmm. bizarro migraines well um th- i'm guessing that lucy will that lucy will end up being more important down yeah. the line uh if she did 15 episodes of the original so, uh, of the original super uh supergirl mm-hmm. i'm sure she'll be down to come back for this i did laugh that they they mentioned the dark web that's something i point out whenever these networks mentioned the dark web it's like you want this big scary music to play in the background yeah. and they literally use the term where do you go now they're talking about um after lois ruins the reputation of this cult leader uh she says where do you go when your mainstream credibility is ruined and lois <laughs> goes the internet and then she goes but not just the other girl goes but not just the internet the dark web <laughs> and i'm just like mm. So that qualifies as one of those buzz terms it's, that yeah. really uh, gets under your skin. They never like explain. They, they don't know how to explain it. They're just like, who is it? Like they literally picture it as if you open your web, your, your computer browser, and it's just a black screen that says <laughs> dark web right there. Like they don't explain. Like, it, right. like they don't know how to explain that. Like what a Tor network is or anything like this. They're just like it's like you just go to darkweb.com and that's the dark web somehow. Mm-hmm. How much weirder would it have been if she'd been like the intellectual dark web? That would have been. <laughs> Like, what? And then Jordan, Pe- and then yeah. it's like it's like Lois doing interviews with Jordan right. Peterson. It's like you got to be a bloody monster. 
like he's uh, like I told him to be a bloody monster, and now he's Bizarro Superman, and it's all Jordan Peterson's fault. I love what it. if in this universe Jordan Peterson created Bizarro Superman? That'd be so cool. Yeah, that's a cross. That's a Marvel DC crossover because Jordan Peterson is the Red Skull. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh my. This is amazing. Yeah. Somebody like. Somebody write that. that fanfic, please, where Jordan <laughs> Peterson is both fanfic. Red Skull and the creator of the the self help group that creates Bizarro Superman. Somehow, I don't know. I'm so down for me, like this whole episode, it's not my favorite because there was a lot of throwaway. Things. Season one was so good. But yeah, I, I just uh, the, the reason we're covering this is like you said before, you'd never heard of it, and season one was delightfully like Smallville esque. Very mm. little agenda, very little in the way of buzz terms, just family, uh, the, the family figuring out or finding out that Superman is their dad and then Superman, Clark Kent, dealing with mm-hmm. the, the trouble and the difficulties of being both Superman and a parent to two boys and a husband, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, now they're introducing like they're they're introducing these elements. Since General Lane is gone, there's this new guy named General Anderson, right? Is it mm-hmm. Anderson? Uh, who the the actor who plays him is lovably bad as like a bad guy. He's very much like a handsome CW bad guy. Mm. Like he, even though he's a United States general in the military or the or is a colonel or something like that. He's but a they're colonel. they're they're like uh, he wants Superman to be like um, America's Superman, and Superman's like I gotta help the world, which draws into like how they're changing his. His uh, motto from Truth, Justice, and the American Way to Truth, hmm. Justice, and a Better Tomorrow, which is the most Fortune 500 saying I've ever heard it's in my entire globalist life. globalist Superman. G- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you would think is part of a globalist agenda, but it's really more about them not wanting to pay the families of the creators of Superman more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So it's actually more, it's more money related. It's even, huh. it, it's even more cynical than you would think. It's even less to do with a crazy globalist agenda and more to do with just the fact that... Wow. Siegel doesn't Siegel's family just doesn't deserve the money, right? Mm-hmm. So it's why they're changing um uh Captain it's why Captain America gets his revamp and they you know, they just gotta prevent uh, they gotta prevent from paying these uh these uh, Spider Man or Miles yeah. Morales. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's it's even more cynical, which makes me laugh. Also uh, you missed the part where Jordan like he stops like um uh, Two robbers in with the his girl, store. yeah, with his girl, with his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. and they, and they do draw attention. To, they 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 were going to bring up that uh, apparently Sarah, the girl who cheated on Jordan, mm-hmm. um, who last week. Uh, I'm going to explain it to him anyways. Yeah, go ahead. So go I ahead. I kind of lost it. it last week because they have this thing where she she admits that she kissed a girl at literally at summer camp. It's the most 2000 uh, and the whole episode, her family's like validating her and telling like, he doesn't have like a right to be mad because he doesn't understand. Like they're literally excusing the fact that she's cheating by making it seem like it's about the fact that she kissed a girl. And it's like, no, it's that you kissed anyone other than your boyfriend. Huh? And her mom's like, if he doesn't understand, then he doesn't deserve you. I'm like, the what? parents, the parents, literally, it's like it's such a fail in parenting. But it's like I, I, I felt like maybe this is just me projecting. But I could literally see like the actress, like it felt like she's like this doesn't really make any sense. Right, like, it doesn't make sense to me just hearing it. Like, mm-hmm. but it's it's that it's that idea that they they really do think that we care whether somebody uh, is right. dating someone of the same sex. Nobody cares anymore, dude. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody. It's long past that time where uh, people actually give a crap about that. They do care, however, if you cheat on the person you're dating. Right. Right. That's a problem. And now they're kids. They're 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 15 year old kids. There's room for forgiveness, obviously, but they're sending the wrong message by validating her. And excusing her behavior because it was with a girl. 
That yeah. makes no sense. No, it doesn't. That's so, it doesn't that's so make peculiar. Sense. My hope is that they, they, they realize that and then that doesn't play a role later on. Though my my uh, my suspect, my suspicion is that she's going to end up getting involved with Steele's, uh, with John Henry Iron's daughter, mm-hmm. uh, what's her, Natalie. Natalie. Um, oh, so they're trying to set that up, you think? Yeah, I think, I that's, I think that's what okay. they're doing. Jordan um, is, uh, what, uh, I wrote one thing down that I thought was very important. The boys have very distinct personalities and I like that. Yeah. They don't have interchangeable. One is very clearly a jock. Uh, and, and you'd expect him to be the one who got the powers, but it isn't. The other one is socially awkward, has a girlfriend, but she's very clearly uh, wears the pants in the relationship if she can cheat on him and then somehow make him a... He apologized. Hmm. At the end yes, of the episode last week, he apologized for being mad at her. It's incredible. Dumb. It's incredible. <laughs> it's so dumb. Um, so I hate that. Like it, They made him apologize for something that wasn't his fault. It was her fault, but they're like... I'm sorry. Here's a necklace. Yes. Uh, oh, man. Because I am a masculine man. I'm a cis white gendered man. You have to. And oh, I'm boy. sorry. Yep. Buzzword. Yeah. yeah. So it's. Uh, we'll see. Uh, the storylines going forward. I hope they get through the election stuff as quickly as possible. I don't want that to I don't drag like out that all one. season. I guess it will because this isn't a 22 episode she- series. It's like a. It's a 15 or 16 episode series. Wow. So they'll probably carry it out through the whole thing. But um, looking forward, mm-hmm. uh, I'm. I'm excited to see where. It at least the Superman uh, versus Bizarro Superman story. That's goes. the part I'm really excited because um, I forgot <laughs> who you were talking to. I think it was you where you said Bizarro is like really scary in the comic books. Mm. Or was that somebody else? Somebody said? else. No, no. Okay. But yeah, I'm kind of excited because I want to see how scary they can make this character. Yep. Because if they can do Bizarro, can they bring... Um, who's the zombie one? Um, I mm. forgot what his name was. It's not like... He's the zombie zombie something um he's like really freaky they had him in justice league the cartoon series where he had the love story with hawk girl i don't know hmm. never mind hmm. um, i'll remember it somehow yep. so we'll see but i really want to see them do like a, a scary universe of dc more of that more of superman and bizarro mm-hmm. superman if they're going to do jordan stuff cut out the stuff with sarah as much of the stuff with sarah as possible and go straight to him training with general lane uh, get through the the Lana and it's gonna I'd almost rather it be about Kyle cheating than about the election stuff but that's because yeah. I'm you know we're hypersensitive to anything involving that stuff right now because it's just you can tell that uh, the agenda gets thicker when they get into stuff like that mm-hmm. I guarantee you there will be I kid you not we should take bets right now will there be stuff about election integrity when they actually have the election I don't want to take it you you keep your I bet bets. you they will I don't know maybe they'll just sidestep it that would be my hope. You my know? hope is mm-hmm. that the writers, <coughs> excuse me, um, read the room enough to know, like, like you, how do you make such a good first season and then start pushing that stuff out in seasons? But that's what I said. My worry was mm-hmm. is like the the problem is when they they make these shows a movie, you only have an hour and a half, mm-hmm. two hours to to tell your story. But now once you get into season two. You've told the story that inspired you to make the show in the first place, and now you start going into all this crap that nobody cares about, and that's how it is that right? happens a lot it yeah happens a lot. You, have, you have to have all that filler especially when you're yeah. doing 15 16 episodes like yeah. that's crazy but that first season though acts as a gateway drug yes you know it gets you and, hooked and i'm always so skeptical when a season two comes out especially when there's like a, a really stellar like almost mini series that's yeah. the yeah. first season 
Uh, but j- just a quick little interjection, because this is something that's really kind of taken over my life, mm. is uh, season two of Euphoria. That, like, yeah. that is one series. Like, I was just like, I don't need to see an, a second season of this. Like, the first season was really awesome and cinematic. I was just like, there's no reason to v- revisit these characters. But so far, the second season has just been astonishing. And mm-hmm. that's really rare to pull off. And it sounds like this Superman we, show hasn't done that. We did, uh, we did uh, a topic on that. I can't watch shows like that because of anything drug related I find gotcha. particularly triggering but um, we, we covered it about how Dare was like criticizing the show as mm. if Dare has any glorifying like, um, yeah. drug use yeah. yeah so I don't know we'll see going forward uh, I'm guessing there will be an off week here at some point we're due for like uh, I mean they don't just do 16 weeks straight they eventually Mm-mm. take a break so mm. we will keep our eye open for that eh, I don't know I'm just I'm hoping it might be better because I don't like the quality of season two, like how you said. That's how they hook you. Season one, really good. It's season really two, tough to pull off. Mm-hmm. I warned. Very tough. I, I warned you. So that's, that's usually it starts to go downhill in season two, but we will see. Let's talk. I, let's talk uh, Jurassic Jurassic World. Yes. Which I always mistake. Have you watch? Um, have you let Jordan watch it yet? No, no, we're Aww. we're still on uh, Coco Melon. Okay, yeah. I thought your New Year's revolution was revolution. I can't it's English right now. That, <laughs> that was the name of an ECW. I kept my New Year's revolution very <laughs> private. I didn't tell you what it was going to be. No, I thought you said um, at our New Year's party less Coco Melon. Yeah, that didn't happen. Oh, okay. No, no, he's very demanding and uh, he wins. Didn't take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is, it says, will Jurassic Dominion, Jurassic World Dominion end the beloved movie franchise? Here's what the one producer said. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion will feature beloved original characters. So is this the franchise finale? Uh, the, film will, the film world was forever changed as a result of Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park, which debuted new cutting-edge technology. The movie started in an epic series, which has been expanding thanks to the Jurassic World movies. But will the upcoming sequel, Dominion, end the beloved franchise? Here's what one producer said. Quote, uh, the Jurassic World movies have been massively successful. And just, oh, I'll go down to the quote here. I'll go back up to it. It says, I think Dominion's going to wrap up this trilogy, but we're not resting on our laurels. We're going to sit down. We're going to see what the future is. We have a wonderful series, Camp Cre- Cretaceous on Netflix. Oh, that's the name of a new, uh, a gira- I'm guessing it's connected mm. to it in some, world, some way. We obviously want to make, co- so it's called Camp Cretaceous. Uh, we obviously want to make quality, good movies with great storytelling, great writers and directors, but we're definitely going to do more in the Jurassic world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a clever plan. words. Well, there you have it. It looks like the fans shouldn't worry too much about the future of the dino-centric property following the release of Jurassic World Dominion. It seems like the powers that be are inventing, are invented, invented? I'm guessing they mean invested mm. in continuing the narrative. So hopefully we'll see more of the beloved movies in the big screen in the future. Um, I laugh at the idea that they think that anything that's still making that much money would actually be brought to a close. Like, artistic integrity does not uh, really exist at that level unless the person's literally in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. And nothing funded to the tune of several hundred million per movie is independently funded entirely. So uh, you could perhaps say like uh i don't know if spielberg directed all of the jurassic park movies uh, i'm guessing he didn't but uh colin trevorrow didn't direct all three he, he directed one and three but he didn't direct uh fallen kingdom in 2018 um and if they want to keep making them if it's going to keep making money they will absolutely still continue to make them um until the wheels fall off it doesn't matter if chris pratt falls in a volcano they will actually that'd be fantastic for the movie if they had him fall in a volcano agreed but um 
So the first one had a budget of 150 million and made 1.67 billion. Man. The second one had a budget of 170 million and still made 1.31 billion. And now they've split the difference on the budget here. It's about 165 million uh, to fund this one. Yeah. Now, granted, this is coming out in what we call the COVID excuse era. It's not actually the COVID era. It's the we use it as an excuse for everything that doesn't go our way era. Mm -hmm. uh, but that makes the break even for this movie about 247 million dollars, and I think it will make that very easily. Chris Pratt is a very likable actor, even if Twitter hates his guts. Um, and in general, they've got a, a large cast coming back to this. So they've got Jeff Goldblum coming back. They've got uh, Sam Neill coming back, and they've got Laura Dern coming back. Nice, um, nice. They have Daniel Pineda, but nobody's perfect. She's the one. Uh, she was in Cowboy Bebop, and is very, very she has very vocal. Uh, yeah. She she's she's antagonistic towards fans. It happens. Uh, I, I I hate that when celebrities do that. Mm -hmm. I really wish they could learn to like, just say no. Like I understand the desire to want to clap back, but just say no, dude. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's coming back, and then Mamadou Athi, who we watched in yep. Archive eighty one, is going to be in this movie, and they don't have a role listed for him. Uh, and then the rest of the cast is uh, it looks new. Campbell Scott was from. Uh, just about everything. Campbell Scott was in the show Royal Pains, which I loved. Mm -hmm. um, He's so great. Jeff Goldblum coming back is fantastic. I love oh. Jeff Goldblum. Me it, too. It, uh, as a guy who's like, he's like, I call him like Artur Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. Like, he's very much like, he understands that he's playing the same character and everything that he does. Kind of like, um, if you took Nicolas Cage and Ryan Reynolds and morphed them together, you get a weird Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about that version of alchemy before, but yes. it, it makes some sort of sense. Yeah. Um, my brain. My brain. <laughs> uh, but he's coming back, and, and, you know, uh, so they're bringing back all these people who are clearly passionate about the, about the films. And what I love about it is they have so far managed to keep almost all uh, antagonism towards fans out of it, uh, outside of hiring an actress who's done that in the past. She didn't do it involving this movie, so I can't fault her for that. She hasn't been, mm -hmm. she hasn't done anything to ruin the promotion for this. She she was very antagonistic during the Cowboy Bebop press releases and stuff like that, but I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt, and maybe she learned her lesson and just doesn't do it again. That's fine. Uh, but there's a, uh, something I found here in the trivia that I find particularly telling uh, as to why something like this can persist and still make so much money, mm -hmm. despite the fact that we're really in, uh, when it comes to budgets and films of this caliber uh, with box offices that big, it's a superhero world and the rest of the movies are just living in it. If mm. you want to make that much money, it's almost always connected to some type of IP now that's coming out of, uh, you know, I can't think of the last one, uh, I guess maybe Avatar, but they made comics about Avatar later. Yeah. Not mm. last year. I'm talking about Avatar like, the, um, blue the James Camp, yeah, the Navi. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a, a thing here from. Uh, first of all, there's all these pieces about how excited Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern and them were to come back. Mm -hmm. So they're passionate. They want to continue these characters. But there's this very particular quote from Colin Trevorrow. It says, "He was asked the question, will Rexy Roberta slash Roberta die in the film?" And his mm -hmm. answer was verbatim, "Quote." No, she won't, Trevorrow said. The director and co-writer had gone on record claiming that there will, be no, there, will be, there will not be a Jurassic Park movie without the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and he considers Rexy Roberta, the Tyrannosaurus Rex of the franchise, killing her off would go against this, and Universal is not willing to risk the backlash. <laughs> in, I in, like that truth. <laughs> in an age where these writers love 
to take these series and deconstruct yeah. it and ruin everything good about it, they're like, you're not touching our Tyrannosaurus Rex. Right. But hell no. <laughs> I love that. That's really funny that he actually, you know, mm-hmm. uh, volunteered that information. But I'm just saying, like, in like all these days, they love to kill off characters. Yeah. They love to make characters that were once heroes bad guys and deconstruct them and make them, you know, uh, everything that they weren't. They love to ruin legacy characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. to, to say that they're not willing to do that tells me a lot about how, how passionate they are about the franchise and all it takes like I, I think these people really do think that they like there's like a magic formula all you have to do is be respectful towards the material material that you're creating and people will be on board for the most part you still have to put together a good movie but don't ruin the main characters don't make good guys bad guys just because you feel like you, you took a writing class in college that taught you how to how to deconstruct actually let the you know the the people that kept these franchises alive meaning like when it's superheroes it's like it's the same people who buy uh uh gi joe and transformers and uh teenage mutant turtles comics even though the movies have been garbage uh the people who support the the comics versions of these franchises will keep coming back like battered wives Mm -hmm. because they're just waiting for you to make something good you don't need to make it that bad just make something respectful of the source material Mm-hmm. Right, and to hear hit the director say that somebody who's been he's also involved in the writing process of all three films tells me that that's why these movies continue to do well. Well, if that's the case, then I, I, I keep coming back to what that producer says. Why is uh, he trying to whip up all this manufactured excitement and making it sound like it's the last hurrah if yeah. it's just a good movie? You know, I, I mean, th- I think part of that is Cinema Blend framing it that way. Oh, it's okay. Um, I, I think, Bias. Yeah. <laughs> or I, it, headlines. I mean, it got me talking about it. It's it, true. It, it, it has us doing this article right here. So right. Good, good work. Um it is interesting that the director said that, though. I, I would think that, it, if anything, he would just kind of, like, play coy. But instead, he was just like, oh, no, that was that was not a line that we were allowed to cross. And that's not something we well, were willing the, to do. No, the, what I told you, the, the part about, the, about the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex part, that was not from this producer. That was from the director. Yeah, yeah, the director. Of, the director, Trevorrow. yeah. yeah. Trevorrow. But, it, but it sounds like it was a, a, a almost universal yeah. mandate, mm-hmm. you know, Can't, which is interesting to me. The Jurassic World movies have been massively successful in anticipation for Dominion is at a fever pitch. I don't know if I would go as far as to say fever pitch, but you know these these media companies are often the the promotional arm of of these companies. I would love to. Uh, can you do me a favor? Can you look up and just say who owns Cinema Blend? I would be interested to know okay. what what media conglomerate. Owns. I love doing that because like yeah. every time there's something positive about Disney, I'm like, let's see which uh, uh-huh. subsidiary owns this <laughs> magazine. Yeah. Um, it says fans were thrilled to learn that the movie would feature the return of legacy characters played by Sam, by the likes of Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum. But given the thrilling ensemble, fans are worried that the threequel might end the film franchise as a whole. I, I think for the most part, you have to balance this thing where like a lot of us would like to see you just finish the trilogy mm-hmm. and then just call it quits. When Matt Reeves finished the Planet of the Apes trilogy, he didn't come up with like the land after time pl- of the Planet of the Apes and make a fourth one. He mm-hmm. just made his trilogy and called it and ended the series, right? <laughs> Actually, that's another example of a movie that did well, but despite not being a comic book series. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, they're owned by Future PLC. It's a British media company. Hmm. Who owns future PLC? Yeah, yeah, we got to go mm-hmm. further back. I think we're turning you okay. into a journalist, Miracle. Ah, <laughs> the but, one job that I 
didn't really want to do. By that. the way, <laughs> because funny. I had like a video published on TimCast.com covering uh, an event. I saw was, that. I am now a journalist, <laughs> yeah. and I now demand my own blue check, and I demand all my opinions be said with the utmost snark and. Um, I am very important now, and I demand that my opinions be taken as such. Okay, so the founder is Chris Anderson. Okay, that's it. That's all. That's all I've got. Yes, it's a shell company. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be interesting to know if, if Cinema Blend is who owns them. No, I, um, okay, I, I got to the bottom of the rabbit hole here. Yeah. Thank it's you. It's a mattress firm. <laughs> oh. mattress firm. That's that's who owns it's my it. Favorite yeah. con- that's one of my favorite conspiracy <laughs> theories. I thought it might be. Uh, I, I love that one. It's just like, you just know some dude was driving by a mattress room. It's like, I've never seen anyone go in there. <laughs> it's like the Wayfair for poor people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, they say fever pitch. Are you, uh, have you seen either, uh, either of the Jurassic World movies? I saw the first one. Okay. Yeah. Did you like it? Not really. Not no, really. it's too much CGI for me. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah. Especially when they did so, when they were able to do so much of it live, uh, you know, uh, in camera in the original yeah. trilogy. I mean, I, I still like Jurassic Park, and it's a, the original Jurassic Park, but it's weird for me because I feel like the movie hasn't aged beautifully, but it was such a huge event mm-hmm. at, at a very formative time in my life that mm. I can just watch it compulsively. Yeah. I can the same way about Independence Day for me. Yes. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I can watch them blow up the White House and not care <laughs> right. and, and wonder how they got yeah. like a virus uh, when I literally can't connect my Bluetooth speakers to my phone sometimes and they manage to connect like an old power book to an alien uh, computer system. I don't care. Right. And I don't care that the aliens look like the aliens from another movie or that the yep. ship looks like the ship from another movie. Yeah, I, I don't it's care. fun. And it has Jeff Goldblum. It has Jeff Goldblum, and it has uh, um, Will Smith. Yeah. Will, when, before Will Smith was the victim of an entanglement <laughs> and, uh, and all the other things that he said. And the greatest presidential speech in any movie ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's be honest here. Very um, good. Somebody needs to like have like uh, insert like Kevin Spacey from House of Cards into that movie somehow. <laughs> Be an amazing edit. I'd like to see that mashup. Yes. So, but can we all agree that the original Jurassic Park is the best that's been made it so is far? The yes. Best. Oh, of course. Okay. All right. Yes, I started to say, like, yeah. unless I missed something in a sequel that I didn't see. Well, you know? it is best in Jurassic World. They have one actor that's really cool. He plays in Love Simon, and I thought that was really cute that hmm. they killed a straight, <laughs> a straight white guy who plays as a gay guy in a movie. Who, who's it? Um, I forgot what his name is, but he is. The guy that plays Love Simon. Okay. And he's Simon. Okay. I've never I've never seen it. Uh it's just basically it's a movie that wasn't necessarily needed to be made, but it's about a kid coming out gay. Okay. And he's looking for a guy oh, Nick Robertson's. Okay. I don't know. Robinson's. Robinson's. Bad yeah. name. Really bad name. Mm-hmm. What's bad about it? It's really bland. I mean, it is he, he should probably well have a better John, name. Might as well you know? be John Smith. He yeah, looks like, that's, okay, that's so bad. a best way to describe him, he looks like Sean Mendez, just a little bit chubbier. Hmm. Hi, I'm chubby Sean Mendez. <laughs> I don't think that's really a selling point. But <laughs> no, but um, also his love interest was the guy who plays as Wally West in the Flash TV uh, show. Yes, I know who you're talking about. The, the person who identifies nine, their the pronouns nine. as tree. Yep. Oh, terrific! Yeah, yeah. very so, nice. I love it. We're gonna we're gonna skate right past that yep. to avoid cancellation because you're gonna get canceled. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go see it. I think we'll go see it. Um, yeah, it's one of those movies where in the like I saw the first one, second one I saw like 
at home. Yeah. Uh, third, like, because we'll talk about it on here, we'll go see it, but probably wouldn't have if we hadn't before. But I'm open to being impressed. Uh, mm-hmm. The one good thing I can say is that trilogies rarely turn out good. So whenever one does somewhat stick the landing in the third one, I, I'm always much happier. So it helps to not be like uh, going to it with super high expectations. Plus, I love Chris Pratt because I mm-hmm. love how, how he manages to piss off everyone on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I just somehow, love without, it. Say, without saying anything. You know, actually, Sam Neill is kind of the opposite mm-hmm. of Chris Pratt on Twitter. Do you, I, I guess no, you're, I you're on Twitter. I, I, but. I, I, Sam Neill is just his, his feet is so lovely. Mm-hmm. He lives in New Zealand. He makes cheese. He has yeah. sheep. Like every single thing that he shares is just like wholesome. And like the only thing that tipped me off that a new Jurassic Park was happening is that Sam Neill posted a couple of clips of him and Jeff Goldblum like playing the piano together and singing these lovely songs. Like Sam Neill has got to be like the, <laughs> the, the it's like the antidote to Twitter and, and social media. This is what I have the internet for. Like it's one of those people. Yeah, yeah he's great. I, I love that type of stuff. Yeah. I, I love people that find a way to stay like beautifully out of the the muck. He refuses. Uh, I, I love that. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Like it's yeah. like that's what you're like. If you've got a great life, why do you like? Whenever celebrities share their opinions and stuff, like I'm just like, why? Oh, it's really painful. Like yeah. I, I'm not saying like. And the funny thing is, like I'm not saying, I'm not saying they, they don't have a right to have those opinions or that they that they shouldn't share them. But I'm just like, to it's. But I guess it's just because that it's so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to share controversial whatever my opinions are, which is kind of hard because I literally have a show now where my job is to share my opinions. But I'd like to think that most of my takes are pretty nuanced, and this is a long-form format that allows me the opportunity to do that and explain it in a way that gives some sort of stability to the argument where you can't just make it a hot take. Mm-hmm. 160 characters, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, the culture around you know uh, wanting to own someone via tweet is like... It's a recipe for disaster for everyone. Even the best people can't really do it in a way that gets them off scot free. Plus, I like it. Just it makes me feel like they're. Uh, imagine being a celebrity in like the 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 celebrities back then. They probably hated the average person just as much as the celebrities today do. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have the ability to to share their thoughts at every uh, random moment throughout the day, or they were better about heeding the warnings of their publicists mm-hmm. and were like, maybe you don't want to piss off the entire half the half of the country with your with your hot take on this issue. Mm-hmm. I think that comes back to instant gratification to a lot of this stuff, and that they 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 forego the long-term gain of, of holding their tongue in favor of short-term gain of getting some likes uh, and retweets. Mm-hmm. And that just, to me, that doesn't make any sense. But yeah. that's, that's a personality type. That's just mm-hmm. who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, uh, I, lo- I love the idea that everyone should, we should start a wholesome movement on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's like yesterday I was starting the normalize not having an opinion. <laughs> like, I was like, you're, not, you're allowed to not care about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like somebody talks about NFTs, I'm like, I don't give a crap. Exactly. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. It's like people who don't like them, it's always like they have this argument like it's it's a ripoff or my favorite is like it's bad for the environment as if their tweet <laughs> as if their 10,000 <laughs> tweets a day aren't eating up <laughs> aren't eating up servers. Uh, uh, but but it's like you can just not care. Like that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's beautiful to just not give a crap about something. Mm-hmm. NFTs, I don't care. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons I don't care. Hey, right. we're gonna we're gonna talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Miracle cares about Dungeons and Dragons. I care because about the dragons. Because because because, <laughs> because dragons, man. It's really great because it's so therapeutic to see monsters kill people, and you don't have to care about social media like Twitter. 
It's like so therapeutic because you, you mean in the movies, right? <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> sure. We're going. I, I did not place an order for a stuffed dragon. <laughs> okay. Well, we're well, let's talk about it. And when I say that I don't care about this, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is like I uh, I cover this stuff and I enjoy covering it. Uh, but to me, this isn't something where I feel like um, I don't have strong opinions one way or mm-hmm. the other because I wasn't a tabletop gamer. <laughs> right? But do you think it's going to be better than the movie where they had, uh, what's his name, Wayne Marlin? Or Marlin Wayne? Thank you. Mar- <laughs> Wayne Mar- if I, be ever I like be- that better. In fact, if I ever became an actor, my name would be Wayne Marlin. That's better than Nick Robinson <laughs> yes. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, much better. I never saw it. Oh my god! Okay, it's so terrible because he plays like um, I think he plays as an elf, and like he's just the only person who speaks in modern terms. Of course, they, like they, he's the he's the only token black guy in that movie. Of course, of course. I remember when that movie came out. <laughs> yeah. I did not see it. Like two thousand one, two thousand. Yeah, it's just hidden in the cabinets of my grandparents' house, and I was just <laughs> reading the synopsis on the back, and I'm like, this is interesting. It's like random Jamie Fox when he was in King Arthur or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, did you did you? play Dungeons and Dragons? Is that um, how I played it on Discord. So Discord has these um, bots where they roll the dice for you so you don't have to roll actual dice. And like my friend, he likes to switch it up sometimes. So I don't know if they're still doing this campaign, but it's called Lancer. And instead of like being in medieval times, you're in space and you have uh, a bunch of like Gundams around. So that's what they're doing right it's now. It's a Gundam. Hmm. Um so basically what I, what, what I see from these things is like they have now, um, they, they stripped your superheroes. They refuse to use lesser known characters because they can't, they have to market lesser known characters. They can't just turn your, uh, they just can't make super, they can't race or gender swap Superman. Well, you can't r- gender or gender swap Superman. Then you have Superwoman, <laughs> Supergirl. But you know what I'm saying, right? They're, they're not going to risk doing lesser known characters on the big screen because then they have to actually market it. They can do those characters on TV. If you have someone like James Gunn involved, like with Peacemaker, he can do that. Same with Guardians of the Galaxy. But you can't, then you have to be able to afford James Gunn. Mm-hmm. But what they're coming for next is your tabletop gaming. Uh, this is going to be the next um, hobby that's going to be strip-mined and used for parts by these studios that don't have any appreciation or love for it. We've been talking about a show out right now called The Legend of Vox Machina, Mm -hmm. which is based on uh, a YouTube and uh, Twitch channel called Critical Role, which is a bunch of voice actors who got together in the Mm mid-2000s and started tabletop game streaming. Now, these people have a deep, deep love for the art form in the, the strategy games that they pl- of, of Dungeons & Dragons, right? Mm-hmm. So they're ma- they just have a show come out right now. It's, a, it's, a, it's an animated series. And you can tell that they love these characters. Yeah. But, they love, but they're also actors who were able to seek financing. They raised money on Kickstarter mm-hmm. to, to fund the first episode. And all this money goes into it. But 10 years down the line, it's not going to be people that actually care about it making these movies. It's going to be a generic studio executive number one who's like you know what i heard was popular these days tabletop gaming Mm -hmm. and they will uh they will turn these things into movies that nobody's going to care about well you don't realize how much like people are committed to these games like um they draw their own character like they make it into a huge thing like 
especially for critical role like some people will actually draw out their characters for them and go like here you go you can use this on your show as fan art rabid fan bases mm-hmm. every bit as uh as uh mired in uh, that love what they're talking about every bit as much as these comic book fans who've been going to mm-hmm. the same comic book shop and for 20 years mm-hmm. and as i talk about it, i said mm-hmm. when you make these properties they keep thinking that they have built-in fandoms they do not they have built-in critics yeah because the second you try to change the medium and you change anything about it we just watched the trailer for halo the the television show that's yeah. coming out and 90 percent of the comments are about how cortana is not blue and she looks like a soccer mom uh and the, you know i was like just imagine if you just made a generic series about uh about something similar to halo you could have the soccer mom character not be blue and not be hot like the video game mm-hmm. but you wouldn't have the people calling you out so then you have to, it's basically a race. Do you make it well enough that the people who uh, played these games and keep these franchises profitable uh, to make them just happy enough to keep coming back? Or do you ruin enough of it by having to make the changes that you feel because you have no deep connection to the, to the source material? They love to make, they love to, di- to dissect it, take it apart, and put their own stamp on it because they don't want to be faithful. They want to make their own thing. But the studio won't green light their thing. They'll green light the thing that's already got a fan base. But these these vapid ciphers that actually run these studios, of course, because they're clueless at some level, they have a totally counterintuitive perception of what to do with an IP. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. because that's how you know, it, like separated from the world of that yep. fan base that they are. Mm-hmm. Like they're 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 totally disconnected. There was a video from Zach from Comics Matter the other. He says he goes. A lot of people think that these studio executives hate you. They don't hate you. They don't give a crap. They don't know you exist. Right. It's, it's worse. Uh, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And these celebrities, these studio executives, they don't care about your opinion, mm-hmm. man. They're just going right. to make it because it's a business invent- investment to them. They don't care. The, the critical role succeeds because they're yeah. passionate about it. Um, the, Super uh, Stargirl on DC Universe. Yeah. Um, arguably more care is put into it because the character of Stargirl was created by Jeff Johns who created the character based on a, a sister of his who uh, he lost. He tragically lost his sister. So he's not going to let that character be mutilated by studio execs, right? Mm-hmm. So the more care that a person puts into it, the more faithful it will be to the adaptation but you can't expect everyone to have that same level of care for these products and inevitably this is what happens Mm -hmm. Uh, we get this notice for Dungeons and Dragons TV series from Red Notice director which Miracle hated Red Notice I call it fast food media. It's ex- it's The Rock. It was a movie for, on Netflix from The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. It was arguably a very. It was a, the definition of something you forget two minutes after watching it. There's literally nothing memorable about it. The Rock. That's plays, why it's terrible. The Rock plays The Rock. Ryan Reynolds plays Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot <sighs> plays kind of. I guess a little bit against character because she's kind of the bad guy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the same guy who made that is helming this project. And it says, uh, Dungeons and Dragons TV series is in development and is getting spearheaded by Rollins and Marshall Thurber, who recently directed the smash hit Red Notice from Netflix, starring Gal Gadot, Dwayne Johnson, and Ryan Reynolds. Details include that Ryan, that Thurber will oversee the Dungeons and Dragons series for Hasbro and will write and direct the pilot script as well as executive produce the hour-long project. Deadline further notes that the project has been garnering interest from multiple buyers, and since Thurber has a relationship with Netflix, it could be possible that the, the D&D TV series lands on the streaming service. Uh, anywhere but Netflix, I say. 
literally anywhere but Netflix. Mm-hmm. Give it to Amazon Prime. Give it to Hulu. Give it to I don't know. Di- well, not I think Prime because then like they can have all the D and D stuff be in one place. Yeah, kind of like Hulu is cornering the market on on, <laughs> on musical documentaries and tragedies. Yeah, um, they can be the. the Amazon Prime can put their stamp on doing uh, it's the same tabletop thing gaming stuff. How I was complaining about the Godzilla TV series. Why is it on Apple Plus TV? Well, actually, we just uh, I actually uh, I I was going to cover an article where Legendary bought back majority stake in that uh, from the company that had bought a bunch of shares from them in like 2016. Mm-hmm. So they just regained control of it, but not in time to save it from getting sold to no. Apple Plus. Like, why is uh, why is um, Got a Godzilla TV show being made when all of the movies are done by Legendary and, and uh, produced through Warner Brothers. Why is this being made through Apple TV? That doesn't make any sense. No, buy it mm. back. All of these companies should be buy looking to set themselves apart, not um, flood the market with uh, copies of one another. Mm-hmm. I just want them to buy it back because Godzilla deserves to be back to HBO Max because they did a phenomenal job with Godzilla versus Kong. I'm uh, I'm a bigger fan of HBO Max than any of the other mm-hmm. streaming services right now as far as uh, putting out new stuff and the... Existing IPs that they've been you know, not IPs, but shows that they're buying the rights to. They just put Fringe back on there. I love Fringe. Mm-hmm. Well, um, HBO, but even before it was HBO Max, they actually have a history of having a, a unique perspective with the kind of content that they produce, like yeah. Amazon, Netflix, Hulu's a little different. Yeah. Uh, Apple TV Hulu's owned by Disney. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. But yep. yep. Okay, so that's it's like their little Miramax version exactly. yeah. of it's what TriStar picture. It's TriStar picture. Okay, there you go. Um, but every even Apple TV, like I, I see a lot of fledgling companies that are just mm-hmm. trying to put plastic products out there yep. that don't really have a, a, they don't have a thumbprint, you know. Yep. But HBO has always had a thumbprint. They even have like a freaking like like filter that they use for their programs like yep. all, almost all of their programs have an ac- actual like aesthetic filter that they put in front of the camera I told yeah. I, when we were watching Titans I said why do these why are these shows obsessed with blue and orange yeah. these days they yeah. love you can see it blue tint in, on everything and I mm-hmm. hate that personally mm-hmm. there's a fantastic YouTuber called The Fourth Age who talks about he did a whole video about how color grading has changed in comics and then it trickles down to the rest of the, these mediums because women see blue better than men and they're mm-hmm. they gear things towards women um, because women see uh, those colors better because uh, it's evolutionary it's evolution basically that uh, a mm. woman had to be able to see if her child had a, yeah. had a fever oh I've heard that right, yeah right, because right. women yeah, yeah. can see multiple um, see more colors than men yes so is, is HBO marketing to women is that I making think the, the long standing logic is that women uh, control the income in the household so Huh. All things in general are marketed towards women. I always thought that HBO was coming from a New York perspective. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they always ha- kind of have like New York shows. Like, the, the, at least I think their most successful shows have been, you know, I mean, everything Succession. from Sex in the City yeah. to Sopranos, all the way through Girls, and I mean, you name or it. I mean, like, is bi- Succession is bi- is Showtime, I think. Never mind. Uh, um, oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it is, it is Showtime. But like, it, it, <laughs> New York has that kind New- of aesthetic yeah. winter cold blue mm-hmm. feel to it. So that's that's kind of why I always associated that with HBO. They uh it's funny Marvel because uh, Mar- when Marvel did their shows through Netflix, 
all of them took place in New York. I'm like, imagine if something didn't happen in New York. Yeah, right. Crazy, right? Yeah. Like, imagine, like, who's living there with all this <laughs> stuff happening? There's literally something bad happening in every borough all the time. Yeah. Like, who's like, you know where I'm going to move? New York City. Right. There's at least one catastrophic event every two years. The financial cla- collapse. Uh, an ap- you have to live nine people to an apartment, even if you work at a major business. Like, who, who's actually choosing to live there? Lots of people. Well, I'm saying, but like, <laughs> in these in these worlds, even like, there, uh, even, even there, there's like because uh, in reality, those people exist. Yeah. You know, in my experience, I know that for a fact. I know people that want to go there. I know people that don't want to leave. I know people that are never going to leave. Like, yeah. it's part of who they are. It's mm-hmm. part of who. They they are exactly but yes uh, you're absolutely right uh, HBO and plus HBO has kind of they were one of that that first line of uh, I guess like black label um, high-end entertainment that wasn't movies right totally. so you have Game yep. of Thrones you and even before that you had what was it? Oz was yep. uh, mm-hmm. very good uh, Carnival Row I, I don't remember if Carnival Row was HBO Max or, or it would have been HBO Go at the time but all those shows uh, originated on on HBO you know mm-hmm. where people had to go to for really high-end entertainment and now right. as that becomes the business model going forward they have to find a way to keep people and HBO Max was growing pretty well and that's actually funny thing is we're going to use that to get into um the next story perfect which is um hbo max it's about hbo max and uh, it's why i want to talk about this part of uh why i think this article is a little bit um a little bit biased in certain areas so it says half of wonder woman 1984 viewers unsubscribed from hbo max already with that headline i've got questions me too um it's learned that wonder woman 1984 is an even bigger disaster than thought as uh, it was originally reported that half of wonder woman 1984 viewers on hbo max ended up unsubscribing from the streaming service within six months they were at least honest at that point where they mm-hmm. say six months you can't tell me that just because they didn't like that movie that waiting six months does not mean that that movie was the reason that they unsubscribed. If they unsubscribed the next month, mm-hmm. that's, that's what you could say, right? Like they immediately hit, I don't want to be a, I don't want to pay for, for next month's subscription. Right. I also like, so it says the info comes via the wrap from measurement company antenna, where it said that about half the people who signed up for HBO max in the days following the release of wonder woman were gone within six months. And also that more than a third of them were gone within a month. That headline is at least to me more accurate to what the the heart of this story should be. There's too much leeway given to that headline up there because they don't put the six months in that headline. I have a problem with that. That's clickbait. Mm-hmm. Um, the news isn't surprising. By the way, I love Cosmic Book News. I agree with a lot of their takes, but I, I'm still going to call out this stuff when I see it. So it says, uh, the news isn't surprising as Wonder Woman 1984 was simply awful with mm-hmm. its woke content and message. It was just a bad movie. It just, I don't care about the wokeness. Like, it was just a bad movie. It was really terrible and I was disappointed. I mean, I would have been okay with being that guy who she thought was Chris Pratt, but uh, or uh, Chris Pine. But, you know, that doesn't make it all right. Right, right. Um, what is also interesting is that it means that a third of the viewers uh, didn't stick around for the HBO Max release of the Snyder Cut of Justice League in, in March. So those viewers must have been really turned off by Wonder Woman 1984. What a leap. They're making a lot <laughs> yeah. of... I get it. I get it. 
like they're they're definitely making some assumptions there that there could be a myriad of reasons uh, you know the app didn't work as well as they want you know first round but I know that I know when when Snyder Cut came out it crashed the servers because <coughs> it did so well but part of that's yeah. because you you have existing infrastructure you're you're building up infrastructure in a new streaming site right now whereas like uh, Netflix has been had the same uh, infrastructure behind their stuff for the last. 10 years. Now that would have been a more accurate headline just anecdotally speaking because yes. the feedback on the HBO Max app ever since it rolled out has been atrocious. Yep. And it works fine for me. Like when I watch it Not on me. when I watch it on what what'll happen is if I leave it paused for more than 5 minutes, I have to restart the app. That's mm. about the only complaint that I have about it. Netflix to me is actually worse where if I fast forward something or rewind something, the audio becomes disconnected from the video mm. dialogue and like the uh, the audio track is like a hmm. is like three seconds ahead of the video track and then I have to leave the app and come back to get it to reline up. I don't know if that has to do with my internet connection maybe. Hmm. Um, I can't imagine that being the case. No, you guys have like lightning speed <sighs> internet here. So yeah. it says... Uh, with, Sometimes. So it says... Uh, <laughs> With it learned that half of the new subscribers unsubscribed, it also sounds like WB's decision to release movies day and date on HBO Max and in theaters completely backfired. That is true. It was a horrible idea. I, I get what they were going for. They were trying to navigate COVID and uh, what they perceived as what was going to happen with COVID releases. But I think a lot of those movies ended up suffering severely mm -hmm. from that model. Uh, mm -hmm. Disney abandoned it as soon as... Uh, um, uh, Black Widow did mm -hmm. mediocre numbers. Right. Um, granted, there's enough a, a lot of reasons for that to happen. The movie was done too late. The story had already been told. It didn't really need to be made. Blah blah blah. But uh, then uh, Disney, what they started doing is they started pushing like your Pixar movies onto Disney Plus, but then released the Disney animated movies in theaters. Mm -hmm. So they've just but they're lucky enough to or at least big enough to have enough material that they can do that while pushing both networks. But I would arguably say that as far as, as a streaming service goes, I'd take HBO max over Warner brothers any day of the week. So basically to me, uh, they're making a lot of leaps here as far as, uh, what they're with. I think the day and date release is a bigger problem for them than just saying that wonder woman 1984 is bad though. Arguably I go, I went up here and I looked at it. It says, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 has a 58% tomato meter and a 73% audience score. And then the original has a 93% tomato meter and 83% audience score. So um, it's a rare example where critics and uh, fans were both, uh, they both liked the first one and then they both hated the, the, you know, the second one. Mm. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of leaps being made there in this article. Uh, it says, but they've reversed course for 2022, meaning that uh, when the Batman comes out, that is going to be theater only. They are not stupid enough mm -hmm. to try and just put that on both of them. The Matrix, I, I almost did a story today about how the Matrix... Uh, was it revolutions revelations mm. the the new matrix movie that's awful that <laughs> we went and saw and 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 hated uh and dune are both doing better on pvod than they did uh when they were in theaters because they're no longer available mm -hmm. on hbo max now if you want to see it you have to get it uh through you, know, you have to pay for it whereas when it was in theaters it did almost nothing but you could just go watch it for free on hbo max or 16 whatever you paid a month 15.99 so maybe what they need to do is do theater first, PVOD second, then bring them to HBO Max. Shorter theatrical window. Uh, instead of 45 days in theaters, 
do 30 days in theaters, 15 days PVOD, and then straight to HBO Max. I mean, the days where you have to wait six months for DVDs are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says, uh, was it learned that half the new subscribers unsubscribed? It also sounds like WB's... Okay, so they're talking about the Batman. It says, in hindsight, WB is probably kicking themselves for going with Wonder Woman 1984 as its flagship movie release on HBO Max, as not only is the movie terrible, but Warner Brothers paid both Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot as if the movie made a billion dollars at the box office, which is laughable. As we see, the movie did nothing for HBO Max, and it actually sounds as if it hurt the streaming network. And in addition, its box office was abysmal abysmal at only 166.8 million, which is nothing when you really think about that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else they would have gone with as far as a, a flagship launch at that time. Gal Gadot had all the goodwill in the world built up at that point, and so did Patty Jenkins. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, outside of the fact that the critics, or I'm sorry, that the executives can't predict the future, I don't know what else they would have done in that really in that sense. Now, but now they're saying they, they go down here and they say Wonder Woman three is said to be in development. It is said to be happening, but there are all kinds of rumors, including Patty Jenkins could be out. I doubt that. Gal Gadot could get recast in the Flash. I actually believe that that could happen down mm. the line because they've worked so hard to get rid of Affleck and they they're like Henry Cavill, the most popular character actor in tele, in movies right now. Why would we use him? <laughs> uh, it's like they hate money. Mm-hmm. It's like they hate. Uh, they're like, look how much everybody loves Henry Cavill. Let's just keep him on the bench. Aww. Well, I, I just saw this here. Like, it, even as bad as it is, supposedly, and it's really funny that they just decide. It's like somebody just got re-triggered by how much they hated Wonder Woman. They were just like, I'm going to write Their something. Wife made them watch it, and they're like. <laughs> right. You know what? This movie did make me mad. It made a bunch of people mad, yeah. and that screwed over HBO Max. It still is apparently the most watched film, stream straight to streaming film of 2020. Okay. Mm-hmm. So even though it didn't make any money, like it still got enough attention. I Does guess it, the, the content just wasn't there to grab the viewers. Yep. So I'm looking for the release date on. on I, well, I that's think, the other no. thing I was going to say. Is like this is one of those first movies that was you know it, it was in that weird fuzzy pandemic yeah. era. Where you didn't know how long this was going to go on. They had to, yes. they just they they're launching their streaming service. Uh, Tenet did the same thing. Tenet did abysmal Tenet. numbers in the theaters. I love Tenet, even though it made no sense. weren't Weren't these movies released around the same around time? around the same time? Because Nolan wanted to. Nolan saw himself. Uh, oh man, you, you do hate Nolan. Like, yeah. He saw he was like, I'm going to be the person who's going to bring people back to the theaters, and he tried. I can appreciate that. I, I and I can appreciate that he failed. Of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. Um, though but, uh, he, the Tenet has a higher. Uh, audience rating than Wonder Woman 1984 mm-hmm. but only by like 3% and oh, I, wow. would, I would argue that Tenet is an infinitely better movie than Wonder Woman 1984 even yeah. if it doesn't make sense it probably is and Joel, Joel David Washington literally sounds exactly like his dad yeah if you, yeah, cl- if you close your eyes it's, you might as well just imagine it's it could they could yeah. just de-age Denzel Washington <laughs> to do that to do that role sounds just I'd like, like to him. see that um, well, but I mean, I guess the thing is, is that like movies like Tenet and Wonder Woman 1984, these were conceived and, you know, budgeted and produced to be these theatrical releases. Yep. Like, so both of them had to kind of like reconceive how everything is done. It's changing. Yeah. We're and in and this, it still is. We're in, the, it's, it's one of the reasons in, in the next topic, we're going to talk about how these industries have uh, really begun to adapt mm-hmm. to what I've been saying for years, long before COVID even happened was I said, stop making 150 to $200 million movies, make movies more uh, long before the Joker was made. I said, make a movie for $30 million, focus on story, 
you can still use these comic book characters, but use street level characters like they do, like like make Netflix's Daredevil, but make it on uh, for the big screen and put 30 to $50 million into it to get the right actors and the right director, but with half the CGI and watch the money. I mean, we're about to watch Jackass just dominate the box office this weekend yep. and it costs like $10 million to make. Uh, That's how it's done. Put less money into it. That way your investment is less of a failure if it goes wrong. But these executives that make these like powerful decisions, they literally don't know how. Mm-hmm. Like they're clueless. And they might not realize that $30 million and $166 million is like a big difference. Yeah, that's true. They're <laughs> they clueless just, even in that sense, yeah. which should be, you know, like a central part of their job. Yep. Mm-hmm. But they're not. So it's, uh, to me, it is interesting that uh, I, I think we're going to see a, a change. I think for one, these types of movies in theaters are going to become f- farther and farther in between and then they're going to be going straight to streaming far more frequently. Uh, they're not even doing Batgirl on the big screen. They're doing Batgirl as a movie, but on HBO Max. That has to cut their budgets initially in I'll, half, uh, right? I mean, I, even at more. Least, at least. Uh, I, I'm guessing that they have a way of, fork, uh, like, a forecast model. Like, okay, we don't get to see the money initially in box office profits, but what does a movie like this get us in re-engagement through, subscri- mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. continued subscriptions online? Right. Right? So they have to find a way. We're probably in this era where they're, they're just navigating how to now uh, effectively model, like, financially model how much to put into a movie when you don't see the return right away because you can't tell if they resubscribe to HBO Max because Batgirl came out or just because they're like me and they want to watch reruns of Fringe mm-hmm. so if you can't do that outside of people filling out surveys mm-hmm. how do they know yeah you, the only way you can really figure that out is by who subscribes when it comes out right mm-hmm. so you gain subscriptions when when something like that comes out but if you have nine things coming out at that at month how do you know which one it was because of they have to have some sort of metrics there must for be. analyzing yeah. that i can't imagine how that works out especially in terms of like how do you how do you budget for a movie if you don't understand or i don't even know how you make a return on a movie if it just goes straight to hbo max yeah. do, they, mm-hmm. do they have like some sort of contract for them for a year regardless of the content is it based on each film is it based I, like i don't understand how mm-hmm. that works and it's going to affect how these act like first of all these actors like a lot of the money they make in these things are on back end are back end based on profits in the studio so mm-hmm. contracts are going to have to be renegotiated There's there's going to be a whole new model for how these actors get paid. Uh, is it through, uh, do they have ac- Do they have to guarantee that they have access to the numbers? So if they get, uh, if the engagement with the movie in the, through the streaming service is over a certain amount a, mo- uh, a month for a period of time, do they get a bonus? Right. Well, I mean, that's what, uh, that was essentially the basis of Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit yeah. that the, Disney settled with her. Because she, the, her, uh, a large part of her check was supposed to be based on how well right. the movie did at the box office, and they said it was going to be a theatrical-only release, mm-hmm. and then there was no no metric for figuring it out through HBO Max, so they just settled with her out of court. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the same thing happened, like Bill Nye sued uh, Disney because they were arguing, it's a relief, you'd have to look it up, it's like <laughs> about like uh, home video sales, mm-hmm. and um, it's a really, uh, well, maybe we'll do a video on that sometime oh that's funny um yeah like uh, all of these contracts that people have negotiated are gonna have to be rethought and i imagine that uh this is like a golden time to be like a an entertainment lawyer who's got a hold on these things who's like mm-hmm. looking to the future you know there there is a history here that actually goes back to superhero movies like maybe the biggest superhero movie the biggest first blockbuster yeah. was uh jack nicholson with the mm-hmm. joker yeah i mean not the joker but jack nicholson with the original batman in 1989 because yeah. like after because in the 70s there was you know 
a new Hollywood happening. And mm-hmm. you had all these actors that were all about the script and the storytelling, and the directors were obsessed with script and storytelling. That's why the 70s is kind of thought of this heyday in cinema history. But at the end of the 70s, after these big balloon movies like Heaven's Gate in 1980 started just, you know, zapping all this money in the budget and then not getting anything in return, mm-hmm. something changed. And the agents in Hollywood got much more powerful than the actors. Yeah. And they started doing packaging. And all of a sudden, the actors that had, like, you know, A-list credibility, they got more interested in reading the contracts than the scripts. Yeah. And then that, and Jack Nicholson is a prime example of that. Like, all he wanted to read in the 80s was his contracts. And that's when he became essentially a, a genius uh, moneymaker with Batman. He was mm-hmm. just like, I want to make money on the back end. I want to get money off of the toys. I want to get money off of this. And it was probably one of the best uh, contracts that an actor's ever signed in Hollywood. There, there was a story about, like, an actor, like a, a voice actor from the original Lion King who turned down like a $10 million payday for dividends or something like that. And he's, he makes like insane money wow. still to this day. Like he, That's awesome. he took like a, it was like, I, I forget. It was like $500,000 guarantee instead. And then got, but still it makes like insane money now from all the, you know, which actor do you uh, know? I don't remember it, it but oh, it was a voice. It wasn't one of the celebrities. It was a voice actor. So it was, I, wow. I don't remember which character he played. I mean, the same thing, I mean, like now, uh, the same thing has happened in YA now, uh, because of uh, how much, power jk rowling has over her characters and her marketing and she gets a piece of literally everything oh, yeah. with harry potter's name on it no ya author gets that anymore this if you if they're gonna buy up your book they want all of it and you're gonna get very little in the way of uh profits on the back end because mm-hmm. they don't want to give up that money uh one thing that's funny about the batman thing is uh, I, I i was reading this thing about how embarrassed michael keaton was of playing batman because superhero movies were like not because mm-hmm. they were not mm-hmm. now everyone wants to play a superhero character and back then he's like yeah yes yeah, batman is a, it, it, and they gave him a lot of grief yep. when he was cast yep. so, people yeah. think that's a new phenomenon it is not no uh, they, it's been around since forever i remember when somebody was talking about I was like remember when they were uh, upset about uh um, James Bond being blonde in yeah. Casino yeah. Royale. It's like, oh my god, yeah. he's blonde. So it's uh, not a built-in fan base; it's built-in critics. It's built-in that critics. is that so is, true, man. I, 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 it was the quartering who said it, but he was quoting someone else, and I, yeah. I, that person should copyright that and that's uh, really make, good. Make merch out of that because it really yeah. is. It's built-in critics. Uh, so but true. That's the that's the IP world we live in. So, uh, Podluck. Yes, Podluck time. Yes. Let's do Podluck. Okay, so the first one here uh, is for, and it go, it's, we're going to continue our conversation we were just having. It's about a show called Seal Team. This is a, a show that I love. I, I never watched. It's it. a David Boreanaz show. David, you want to talk about having a fantastic agent? David Boreanaz has literally never stopped working since the day hmm. he entered Hollywood. From Angel to Bones to Seal Team to every, he's also a director and writer. Uh, and, and from what I understand, um, the the actors on Seal Team are very libertarian. Oh. I, I, I have heard such things through the grapevine, um, and I love <laughs> it. Uh, but this is a show called Seal Team, and it says renewed for season six at Paramount Plus. And this goes into the streaming service debate that we were literally just having. It says. Paramount Plus has announced it's bringing the hit military drama SEAL Team back for a sixth season. The series follows the professional and personal lives of elite SEAL Team uh, Navy SEALs as they engage in some of the most dangerous military missions and try to deal with everyday life when they are not deployed somewhere around the globe. Does anybody else remember the show The Unit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that show. 
What and I love Max Martini, it? which may be the greatest name of an actor. That's awesome. If it's not a stage <laughs> name, it's the greatest name in history. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Max Martini is a fantastic name. <laughs> uh, like, literally, it's like his job. She, I, I imagine on his resume, it says, plays, plays tough guy really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, like, I remember he was in an episode of Lie to Me as, like, a doctor. And, like, nobody's, he's not a psychologist. Look at that guy. He's got, like, a scar under his eye. So it says, SEAL Team follows an elite unit uh, called Bravo team led by respected and intense team leader Jason Hayes, played by David Boreanaz. SEAL Team Season 6 Renewal comes on the heels of Season 5 Finale, which aired on Paramount Plus on January 23rd. The series cast also includes Max Thoreau, Neil Brown Jr., A.J. Buckley, and Tony Trucks. Uh, as a part of the elite team, besides engaging viewers with the action-packed missions of the special of the special unit, SEAL Team is also praised for how it showcases how life in the military affects the well-being the well-being of soldiers. SEAL Team also deals with the pressure felt by families and so of soldiers, adding another la- layer to the military drama. That's something y- the unit did as well. It was just as much about the wives of the team of the team leaders as it was about the characters. Uh, but down here it says SEAL Team premiered on on CBS. In 2017, the series aired on the broadcast channel for four seasons until it switched to Paramount Plus last year. So instead of getting canceled, they moved it to a streaming service. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm assuming CBS and Paramount Plus are the same, uh, have the same parent companies, right? Uh, So it says, uh, although SEAL Team is now part of the streaming platform's exclusive catalog, the series kept its audience, which led to the most recent renewal. That had to be, uh, when you really think about that, you take a network as old as CBS and if you manage to keep your viewership st- switching over to streaming, that's probably an accomplishment mm-hmm. in and of itself. There's mm-hmm. like the I, I'm just picturing old people like, how do I use this ro- <laughs> this newfangled Roku remote? <laughs> uh, like, what do you mean? I click on the logo. It's not an up or a down arrow. It's a I'm mm-hmm. just picturing them like so clearly there was a built an audience there that followed them and that's what all these places are looking for right they're looking for you to follow them to d- to different mediums following right. them to different pl- uh Star Wars wishes they could get people to actually follow them to the to the n- tie in novelizations that nobody yeah. cares about to the movies it says, although SEAL Team will come back for another go-round, season six uh, will once again change the season's length. So it went from 22 s- episodes on seasons one through f- uh, one through four. Um, uh, I'm sorry, for seasons one and two. Season three was 20 episodes. Season four was 16 episodes. And the fifth season was 14. Now it's down to 10. So they're just lowering the budget, lowering the episodes so they can keep the quality up. Yeah, and that's really that's almost or it's it's showing you like a a network show organically becoming what everything else is becoming on its own, right? Like Disney Plus isn't releasing new series; they're releasing limited runs. Wandavision was a limited run. Mm-hmm. Hawk, uh, um, Lucky. Hawk, uh, what did I say? Um, it's Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Hawkeye was an eight episode. All of these shows are eight episodes, and they're not necessarily even guaranteed a second season. That, that's a really interesting trajectory for the show because, yes. like, I mean, yeah, like Legacy Media, they have like 24 episodes, and there's so much fat you could trim, and they're just like slowly slicing off that fat and cutting mm-hmm. to the bone. I 10 episodes. Yeah. I personally, I, I'm, I love the fat. You love that world. You I just love, love the world of the show. I love the world of the show. Like when I watch a show, I love being invested in these characters, even on the episodes that don't matter. I mm. don't need a show to be nonstop action the whole time because I want to feel as if I live in that environment with the characters. Now, that's a large time commitment. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't, especially with so much to choose from these days. I understand that I am not the the target demographic. I think mm-hmm. I'm a little bit 
more uh, weird hmm. in that respect. I love the old school form of uh, having to find a way to tell that story through 22 episodes. It challenges the writers to be creative. Like, I don't even think bottle episodes are a thing anymore because they, hmm. they have to budget it out for less episodes. But, you know, they're not going to have that one episode. M- m- arguably, my favorite X-Files episode of all time is a bottle episode. It's called hmm. Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. And the whole episode takes oh, place. Oh yes, yes. Yep, I'm, whole, I'm aware of that one. Yeah. The whole episode takes place yep. uh, with the the cigarette smoking man on like a. You can tell it's like a sound stage, and he's listening to the lone gunman talk through a sniper scope with like a bug in the in the office. And the whole episode takes place there, and then some basic sets where it's like uh, it's the cigarette smoking man as he takes out uh, Kennedy and as he takes out MLK, yeah. and it's all this stuff. And very clearly, was much cheaper than the rest of the the season. Oh yeah. The, the bottles are uh, uh, budget savers. That, it's that, designed to say... They just use like a, uh, Breaking Bad. Yes. The bottleneck episode there. They blew their budget on that giant, uh, you know, uh, meth cooking lab. Yep. So they just had to shoot a whole episode there. And I would argue that's probably the worst episode out of a brilliant show. Yep. Like it... I, I mean, I, I appreciate some of the aesthetic qualities of it, but it just... It kind of meandered for yeah. me. You know, and that, and that can happen with bottleneck episodes. Mm-hmm. But also, Girls, the TV show Girls. Yeah. They had a couple bottleneck episodes that were incredible. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, so... It, it, it goes, uh, you know, right or left. It's I imagine the writers see it as a challenge to take, uh, to have to engage with people and keep people's interest in a setting where they can't move very free. They're not allowed to move around. They're doing it mostly in the same sets. Uh, and, and some writers are better equipped to, to, to uh, that. take that challenge on because when it comes to the world of like TV and film, some people come from the world of TV and film and some writers actually come from the theater, yep. you know? So when you have some writers that come from that theatrical background where you are on a stationary, you know, place for the most part, yep. they have that, uh, that, uh, training and skill mm-hmm. to sort of just like sustain characters in one location yeah. going at it for a while yeah. but tv and film writers they don't necessarily have that background and yeah. they don't have that uh they're not up, up for meeting that challenge and i'd also argue nowadays that most of the writer like writers in the past came with a writing background now they come with like a screenwriting background yes. and those uh, that there's a vastly different quality to both of those that totally. i think gets lost in translation now mm-hmm. do you care like when you watch TV, like, do you care if the whole episode takes place in one place? Would you even notice it if that was happening? I wouldn't notice it. Yeah. Like, it didn't really bother me in Hawkeye, but um, terrible writing that show it really sucks. I mm-hmm. only use that as an example about mm-hmm. the episode length. That I didn't. Yeah. I don't know if there was even any bottle uh, bottle episodes in that show. But mm-hmm. he's right about like Breaking Bad. Like, you can usually yeah. tell. Like, uh, it, you're magically like the whole crew <laughs> is like House did one where they're 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 all locked in the hospital uh, mm-hmm. because of a, a potential bomb scare that never actually happens mm. but it's an excuse to they can't do any procedures because it's just them talking to one another in yeah. rooms as they're running through you can tell where the bottle where the bottle episodes are and then mm. it's a matter of whether the writing team is up to actually mm-hmm. filling that out and I think now they've moved it from 22 episodes in season one to just 10 episodes in season six arguably it has to be nothing but uh breakneck pace from start to finish yeah. but how do you do that with a show that's literally built on being both about action and family drama right so now they have to adjust their writing style and are they up to that 
well, it's a CBS, so, so, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I love Boreanaz. <laughs> I love Boreanaz, and I love uh, right. You have to get a sticker or like something that says CBS just to annoy Chris Carr now. <laughs> yeah. We're we're gonna actually we're gonna make a background for you. It's gonna be all stuff that annoys you. The, I love that the British. Yeah, the, the British CBS, flag, CBS, like, ABC. I, see, I do yeah. have British flags behind me. You yeah, can't I know, see I, them. but they're off. Uh, like th- this camera is blocking them. And yeah, that's, that's that's just how it should be. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to block all Britain, <laughs> just for Chris Carr. Just for, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll make him his own background. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're gonna put just a map of Britain in the back with a big <laughs> with a I big think that's And then instead of cities, it will be other things that annoy you. So like in the place of like Luxembourg is like Christopher Nolan. Is Christopher Nolan's <laughs> name? Uh, Birmingham. It's it's just a picture of this. It's just a CBS logo. Just a, yeah. And another one is gonna be like just sci-fi and then yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be fantastic. The movie Heat. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Straight back there. It's perfect. Got to rewatch it. Gotta, All right. So let's talk that. Ricky Gervais because he really does. He he's a fantastic marketer mm-hmm. for himself. It says Ricky Gervais says he's going to try and get canceled with his new stand-up show. Nice. I don't think he can. He's he, like... Um, ooh, is he uncancelable? Uh, yeah, he, he's the same thing like um, how Dave Chappelle is, like mm, uncancelable. Mm. says, Ricky Gervais has claimed he's going to try and get canceled with his next stand-up show. He knows that's not going to happen, or he knows that this works towards his brand. Uh, it says, down the, down the years, countless comics have complained that political correctness, woke culture, and the prospect of being ostracized for a risque joke have left them feeling creatively stifled. But Gervais has seemingly decided that he won't be holding back with his next show. Rather, he plans on charging straight forward towards cancellation. Um, what's his, uh, Louis C.K. is back now. He's like self-produced. He's like, when you got money and infrastructure, you can do your own stuff, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't need, he could make his own show. And put it on uh, and, and cut a deal with either a service or whatever. He doesn't like all he needs is like the to talk one studio exec into producing in, into allowing it onto a network and he will make his money back. Right. Mm-hmm. It says the 60 year old told Heat. I wonder who he is. Heat the name of a magazine. Is there a, <laughs> no, is there a, a heat. <laughs> One thing I've decided to definitely do and I can't wait to start on is my new stand up show. It's going to be called Armageddon. I'm trying <laughs> I, I'm treating it like it's my last one ever. It won't be, but I want to put everything into it. I want to try and get cancelled. No, I just want to go out to, I just want to go all out there. It's about the end of the world and how it's going to destroy ourselves for lots of reasons, whether it's media stupidity or the actual end of the world. Mm-hmm. Lovely, cuddly, lighthearted subjects for comedy then as a than as ever laugh or will cry i suppose so he's he's being sarcastic there i like it says he just finished that show afterlife too which Mm -hmm. uh, got uh you know he says he added that he he was excited to get cracking on another show with netflix following the conclusion of afterlife so he wants to get canceled but he's about to start another show with netflix it's just a buzzword now just like anything else cancellation is when you have that much money you it's it's like Mel Gibson. He's uncancelable. He's got too much money and mm-hmm. too many fr- too many relationships within the finance side of the Hollywood industry. Exactly. So it says he said as long as the next scripted thing Netflix said I could either do a fourth season of Afterlife or the first season of something new. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go for something new that that feels very exciting. I'll keep going as long as I'm allowed. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that in, in any respect. I do think that he uses it as a marketing tool now, but it is part of his brand, right? He's like uh, Chappelle. It's less his brand and more like he just does stuff that annoys people and then claps back when they when they call him out. 
him, it's actually a brand to be like, uh, you don't need to worry about getting canceled if you just go for it. It's interesting that he knows that and understands that so well that he's able to weaponize it yep. as mm-hmm. a form of marketing. But but he's also right. Yes. You know, what is it about Ricky Gervais that makes him uncancelable? Like, he, it's interesting that he knows that he is, but what is it about what he does? It's the, I, I think there's a, a level of, uh, uh, of courage there that comes from having the money to be able to be if something ha- if so if if say that they do tell him that he's done and, and he can't mm-hmm. make anything anymore he's not financially get, going to struggle the reason a lot of younger people fail to want to do that is a the media scrutiny and then the fear that they won't be able to make income uh, when you have the financial stability that you can do this you can turn it into a brand yeah, but doesn't Chappelle have screw you money at this point? Yeah, well, he mm-hmm. does, but I'm saying... But I, well, it, that's what... I don't know. that. I guess that's an interesting distinction, you know? Because, like, Chappelle... It's the difference between somebody just being like, oh, I'm going to win this game, versus yeah. somebody just like, well, I'm going to play the game. Yeah. Like, like Chappelle just wants to go up and do comedy. Like, yeah. there's there's mm-hmm. some sort of, like, pure artistry there. Yes. But Ricky Gervais, I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. I... I I'm a little strange because I, I regard marketing as a form of pure evil. So he's figured out a way to, you know, sort of retrofit this idea of cancellation in his favor. And it's because he's not going to really do anything that is worthy of cancellation. Yep. So I find it a little appalling. Well, he, I mean, the, the, the Golden Globes 2020 speech, I, I don't know if like, like the, from what I've heard is like nobody knew he was going to say, say those things until he got out there. I don't know how much I can actually buy that he didn't uh, have to run that by someone on right. some level. And are these studios just smart enough to know that for every, uh, there's a market for everything, right? So mm-hmm. they can make money on both ends. They can, they, they market the, the horrible identity politics laden crap towards one group that seemingly doesn't seem to buy anything anyways. That's the funny thing about it is those people don't actually spend money on stuff. Right. People who care about that stuff. But the people who care about people getting canceled will throw their money behind this stuff because it's a principle for them. They, mm. they really believe in the idea of free speech, even if it's being served to them as a product. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. The more I think about this, the more we get into it. I'm just like, Ricky Gervais, controlled opposition. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, and, and, I mean, one thing about coming to work here is you see how much of it, no matter how much you believe everything that you say, when you're doing it in front of a camera, it's, it is a profitable, it is a marketable object that you're selling to someone whether you mm-hmm. you can still really believe in it but it's you're still selling someone something mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing uh especially if you believe in the cause i mean are you supposed to only sell things that you don't believe in then you're just as bad right so if this is about transparency like are you supposed to every time you talk about free speech say and i'm selling a product so just be aware i can't expect someone to do that they have to be uh they have to respect their audience enough that they know that they're both being sold something, but it's something that they principally, that they believe in, that they believe in the morality, whether it's morality or some type of religious belief structure, you have to sell it, Mm -hmm. but also respect your audience enough to know that you don't need to put us a label on it every time. Uh, Well, that's the thing with Gervais. The more I think about it, I think that, I think that he's somebody that is more than willing to make a deal, take mm-hmm. orders, and toe the line if he's told to do so. See, I, I, I don't know about that. Like, like, I, I'm saying like he makes the stuff he wants to make. I, I don't know if it's about toe the line. I'm saying that mm-hmm. he'll just do the projects he wants to make, and if they don't want to do it, then he won't do it. I don't think he's going to make something he doesn't want to do. I think he'd take notes. 
I think he'd take mm. notes, you yeah. know? I mean, like, I think this he's is just why, shrewd. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, well, no, there's no doubt about that. He is, but... I, I think he's just shrewd and knows what people want. He's just, he's just a businessman, and he's just, he's just a salesman selling you something, and that right now is counterculture. Okay, Brett, he's British, and I don't like him. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Says, uh, I, what he, well, he's kind of becoming like a... Uh, he, he's repackaged himself as an every... Well, he's kind of always been... He has the yeah. look of an everyman. Right? He does, yeah. So it says, you can joke about anything, but it depends on, the, on, on what the actual target is. If you use irony and people see that at face value and think you're saying one thing, but you're actually saying the opposite. Quote, even the critical thinkers, if it's a subject that's personal to them, they can't see the wood for the trees. They can't see objectively. People laugh at 19 of the terrible subjects I joke about, but not the 20th one because that affects them. See, I think he takes a very wide panoramic view of all this and sees it as part of his job. Yep. That was a direct quote that you just read yes. from him? You see, he made a whole movie about that. The Invention of Lying. Did you see that? No. Oh, my God. You see, like, everything that he just said there, he made a whole brilliant movie about. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, the, the title's very transparent. It's yeah. about, the the whole premise of the movie is that they live in a world where nobody lies. Yeah. Okay. You know? Oh, that radical truth. Yeah. Uh, it, like like they physically can't lie they or like, can't, nobody's even heard of it okay. like all you have to do is like everybody just tells the truth all the time and then his character his protagonist yeah. realizes that you can actually lie mm -hmm. and then it, you know over the course of like the first 45 60 minutes of the movie he becomes mm -hmm. a religious figure oh. and then he becomes like kind of a Moses character and then his you know whole like new atheist thing comes into play but yeah. but that's true I mean I, I that, that seems to be a very deep part of his aesthetic I think he's very shrewd as a businessman. I think he understands that. First of all, I, I also want to say that it, one of the things I hear a lot is like in 10 years, everyone's going to regard being canceled as like a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. Like if you haven't. Some already do. If you haven't been at that point, there's probably nothing interesting about you. Meaning mm. that you towed the line the whole time because you can get in trouble for literally anything now. Yeah. But that, I think that that might, uh, you know, undermine the total power of like corporate culture mm -hmm. corporate culture may be more powerful than you know the the radicals that are going to be proud of being they canceled they, well but the the corporate offices use these people as bludgeons some of these people <laughs> they they use the they use the the ones that they want to get rid of as as bludgeons they, mm. uh, if they don't like someone they can just uh, i mean who writes the articles how do the articles get approved uh maybe that person writing the article actually believes that but an editor still had to approve it to be put up on the site so what he's done in effect is take the fact that Somebody will write a bad article about him, mm -hmm. but the th but the product still comes out. It's not like it doesn't come out. So as long as he can withstand the barrage of articles, then it doesn't matter because the product sells. Yeah. Afterlife still did well on Netflix, even though... Uh, and I don't really know anyone that had anything... Chappelle got way more backlash than Gervais did. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering that. Like I remember no, people being shocked about what Gervais said because there was a lot of truth in what he said. The sweatshops in China part being my, the part that I thought was the funniest out of all of it. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's, that's speaking not just to, to people who are identity politics uh, extremists, but to the actual corporate side of it. And that to me is uh, harder to imagine you pushing back on, right? Mm. So he pushes back on Apple, but that's a lot harder for me to buy than him pushing back on people who just happen to think that uh, he's uh, against uh, minorities or he's against this or that. 
Those people just write the articles. The you know Steve Jobs, well, who's the guy in charge of Apple now? Uh, I always forget that. Tim guy. Apple. Tim. Tim, <laughs> Tim Apple. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know. It's, Tim it, Cook. I th- Tim Cook. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, it's like when when they start pushing back against studio executives, that's when I'll buy that they're actually counterculture. But they're not. They're just pushing back at the controlled opposition, like you said. Mm-hmm. So I just think he's a very, very shrewd and intelligent businessman. Very who's found a very marketable. Like, like you said, I think Chappelle just does it and doesn't even re- really realize that he's become a champion for people. Uh, maybe he does, but mm. but he's actually made it part of his uh, persona, mm-hmm. his personality. Yep. So. Mm. Well, he has been ever since he started hosting the Golden Globes. You yep. know, I mean, I I guess there have been those little attempts to well, let's see what I can get away with. Yeah. But I don't know if that's just like a genuine puckish you know impulse that he has or if it's a little bit more premeditated yeah it's hard to say cynical side of me says it's premeditated right for financial gain then i ask is that a bad thing if it changes the culture in a way in a direction that i like it selfishly that people are more free to say what they want have an opinion and people are going to have the, your, their opinion back at you but you don't get in trouble for it you're just seen as somebody who they don't like if he pushes towards a movement that finds free speech to be a good thing do i care that it's financially or uh business uh mo- motivated by business for him I, I mean who doesn't in this industry you're not going to find somebody who isn't motivated by self mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. exist True. In fact, I would argue that the people that claim that they're doing it for the good of others are far, far more. Uh, they're lying. Are yeah. far more mm-hmm. devious. Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. Yeah. Hey, we'll see when this next piece of work comes out. Yeah. It, it really comes down to the content for me. Yeah. Like, I, like I said, marketing, I could care less. If I tune into the content and I the con and I respond to the content, mm-hmm. then uh, and it, it's good. Plus, he's British, so you just don't like him. Yeah. Out of all the Brits, I think he's probably in my top five or ten that, that I like. that I've seen moments of brilliance from. I mean, I, I do yourself a favor and watch the Invention of Lying. Okay. It is a brilliant movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it, it's a great premise, and it, it it just executed so on such a great level. Then it's really there, good. Then I have a very serious question. Go for it. UK office or American office? Neither. Neither. You don't like Steve Carell where he like does his iconic moment where he's like, no. Oh, okay. I, you know, I, there was a period of, of my life when I watched, you know, the first three seasons of The Office like regularly. Yeah, it's okay. I it's, haven't. It's just. It's I haven't right. watched it either. It's NBC. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's uh, Peacock TV. Yeah. No, so know. you're not a fan of 30 Rock? No. 30, no. Oh my God. 30 Rock, their season where they talk about politics. Very, it was very annoying and it annoyed the hell out of me. And I do not like Alec Baldwin because of that. That's that's what <laughs> that's what got you off the Alec Baldwin bandwagon. Yeah, that's I was all like, it took. I also heard, I heard something else happened on a movie set, <laughs> but that's that's not the point. <laughs> it's okay. My hatred began there. Yes. It's like. Uh, no, I just, I mean, in the age where you have Netflix and, and HBO and you have like really, mm-hmm. you have TV shows where the guardrails are completely removed and you can yeah. really make whatever content that genuine, uh, genuinely creative people can mm-hmm. make. I just don't understand the impulse to watch current products from the legacy media companies mm-hmm. or former products from those yeah. companies. I just don't get it. it it's like... Doesn't make sense to you? It, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it, like, I wish I had the right metaphor at my fingertips. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. not coming to me, but like, it's just, it, I just can't follow that logic. I don't get yeah. it. What's an example of something you do that, that you've seen recently that you find uh, brilliance in? Something you do enjoy watching? 
Euphoria. Okay. Euphoria has absolutely blown me away. I mean, I, my, my wife was really excited for the yeah. second season. I was just like, I saw the first season. I think that story is concluded. It's over, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was she watched the first three episodes. She was just like, I'm not going to go on. You have to watch these with me. And it's yeah. like, it's Tarantino. Like, mm-hmm. it is like pure cinema on TV. Like, mm-hmm. I've never, it, it's been a really long time since I've seen something as, as aesthetically pleasing and... Yeah mind-blowing is mm-hmm. euphoria it's it's really incredible i Actually, can't recommend it enough yeah for, not to you but mm-hmm. to yes. you know the listeners and Anything, viewers yeah. what have you is there anything you've been watching that you find to be far above uh other things that are being put out right now um right now not really because um they kind of feel the same to me i did want you to watch that korean drama series that's called we are all dead and it's a Basically, it's similar to Train of Busan. It's about, like, basically society, like, has crumbled because the zombie virus came out. But this one, it's a little bit different. There's human and zombie hybrids. And, like, Hmm. the human-zombie hybrids, they still have their subconscious. So they act like humans, but they still have that craving for flesh. So there's, like, one black... There's one character that they talk about it. He was, like, the uh, antagonist, but he dies later. And then there's a person that actually succeeded as the hybrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A nuanced take on the zombie. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was like trending for a little while, but um, Brett and I are watching so many TV show series right now. So we didn't have the time to put it in. And plus it's like the longest TV show series ever. In total, that whole TV show is like over 12 hours long. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, the, mm-hmm. I couldn't even do the... We watched uh, Archive 81 and every episode is 56 minutes and there's yeah. eight episodes wow. of it. I just... Yeah, it's a lot for me. Oh, real quickly though, Dope Sick. Yeah. Have you guys watched Dope Sick? I don't do he anything. Oh right, right, right. Of course. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I heard good things about. That Dope was another Sick. good one. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't watch. Uh, I can't watch Scanner Darkly. I can't watch uh, Requiem for a Dream. Mm. Any of that stuff. Of I am course. going to watch the new Jack Reacher show when it comes mm-hmm. out. Uh, oh, on the nice. fourth, uh, I I have the weakness for anything spy or uh, uh, military related as far as as those types of shows. Uh, Billions had brilliance in the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Damien Lewis. Yes. Homeland, of course, had that the same. Uh, the, especially that first season was something special to me. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a lot of people were like that was when Game of Thrones was very very big. But to me, mm-hmm. it just our coworker Andrew doesn't like it. But I, high fantasy, I can't do it. I, I, the dialogue, uh, I lo- I, I start mm-hmm. to tune out. Uh, I understand that there's a lot of beautiful writing in that, but uh, just Game pers- of Thrones. Well, just any type of high fantasy. Uh, oh, he, I see. He uh, couldn't it, watch like the second season. Cut rate Witcher. Shakespeare. I can't hear it either. That's I can't a, hear it. Yeah. I hear it like one of the, we're watching a show called uh, The Legend of Vox Machina, and it's, yeah. it's the one based on a D. The the show you're talking about. And it's just funny because they're like American Americans talking with like like vaguely British terms. <laughs> right. Like they're saying sire. I'm like, no American <laughs> has ever said sire in their entire life. Up. It doesn't add up. Yeah. So like, I just I can't do those types of shows but like uh i've heard um succession is very very good but i haven't watched it mm-hmm. um but there's a lot of uh there's a lot of good tv you just have to be willing to slog through and find it mm-hmm. and i tend to like stuff that ends up being less uh um popular anyway like i love old sci-fi shit like i love the mid 2000s sci-fi i love mm-hmm. warehouse 13 mm-hmm. and eureka and these shows that were far more character driven than they were um yeah the, the cgi was always questionable mm-hmm. i didn't care as long right. as the ki- if a character's engaging you can keep me i talk about charisma a lot on here yeah uh mm-hmm. char- bringing charisma and heart to a role will keep me engaged far longer than uh, uh airtight script or great cgi mm-hmm. like i said i like the 
the characters i like the world to feel lived in mm-hmm. so that's it's a little bit different definitely so. yeah yes. i don't know for me like um old tv shows like how you said like they're a little bit better than the new ones but i am excited for rick and morty to release season five okay when's that um they said somewhere in this year in june maybe i don't know soon oh not really that's still a while away they're just teasing me with that new season (laughs) i need that rick and morty (laughs) burn notice is an example Mm -hmm. of maybe my favorite uh, one of my favorite shows of all time burn notice and white collar were both uh usa shows in the Mm -hmm. early 2010s that were very Mm. very had very solid writing uh and only did limited episodes like 12 to 16 episodes Mm -hmm. a season Hmm. well I need to rewatch Heroes. That's a show that I, I kind of miss. I don't even think I've seen past season three of Heroes. Well, like, it was kind of weird because I watched it here and People there. People love that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 440 is also something I've heard mm-hmm. very, very good things about that I never watched the... Uh, that I never got uh, never got into, but people said it was really good. Mm-hmm. Manifest is supposed to be similar. That one is really show. good. Yeah. I watched, like, a first, like, the first three episodes. It's really good, but... Um, for me, I can't commit to like a long series to that. There's um, a long series like that. Longer, yeah. The, yeah. the network television mm-hmm. model. There, there was a, a really funny time in the early 2010s when ABC kept trying to do like fantasy or like uh, ethereal type. Like they had a mm-hmm. show called Believe, and then they tried to do Wayward Pines, mm-hmm. and they were it was they were like prototype Stranger Things without the without the atmosphere mm-hmm. or like with it, it was like adult Stranger Things, like just mm-hmm. not like they they were like not quite grim. Yeah. But not yeah. Didn't work. Well, mm. like, is it aliens? Is it so they? Nobody knew that they, they didn't know what they wanted to be, and they mm. inevitably would make it like a season mm. and a half, and then. Well, go. I'm excited if they do make like a TV show series that is based on Constantine. Never gonna happen now. Yeah. Well, I just want it to happen, even though Matt Ryan's not gonna be Constantine. You should mm-hmm. um, write a letter to your congressman. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. That requires me actually typing your job is literally to type i know but it's easier to type to them <laughs> that's okay. why you don't want to type recreationally yes you yeah, exactly. type at work but not you know on your free mm-hmm. time of course exactly I think brett think I, I, sh- I should have thought ahead my, my bad uh, but i don't know there's a lot of shows that i'm excited for that are coming out soon like um there was like another show where they released a teaser that also is coming out in June 22nd. Um, not 22nd, 2022. Um, I forgot what it's called, but they released it. And I was like, you're such a tease. I want to watch it now. Mm-hmm. I uh, There's so much stuff being made mm-hmm. that I, I usually don't even realize something's coming out until like a week before it mm-hmm. does. Or like. I'm going to watch the Halo mm-hmm. series when it comes out just to, because I love stuff that I have no emotional connection to, so I can watch it more objectively than somebody who plays the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can uh, enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked my right. friends who actually like love Halo to death. I asked him about it. I was like, are you excited about the series? He says, eh, eh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not excited, but I hope they do it. Okay. Yep. I, I feel like they might have been more excited if it was a movie, but a show mm-hmm. is harder to get. Plus, they're like, do I have to buy Paramount Plus? Oh, oh no. I don't know, no. man. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Like, well, uh, Paramount like, was like the last one to finish this th- streaming th- race. Like, exactly. literally, like, 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 even with this job, I'm like, I'm not getting Peacock or Paramount Plus. No. Like, I'll, no. I'm going to have to get Paramount Plus for... Um, for Halo, but we're, that's a work write-off. No, there you go. Perfect. You know what we do is we just... <clears throat> Asked him if we can have Paramount Plus 
on the main TV. I'm not. See, the thing, I literally pay for them all so I don't have to watch them with people downstairs. I, I pay for it so I can have it in my room. That's the right move. Yeah. He's yeah. just a hermit. Like, But both of you guys are very introverted. Mm-hmm. I can't focus when other people are around there doing stuff. In the, like, I have to. Li- yeah. I'm literally like, Nick came in one day and he's like, like, I'm like watching something. He's like, oh, you take notes. I'm like, yeah, I take notes. I, I, I don't, I don't just wing it. Like, you know, it is. What it, and I, I, of course, I barely, really ever actually look at them, and my handwriting is completely awful. But you remember it better if you write it down. Exactly. Are you the person yeah. who can read their own handwriting or can't? Barely. I mean, <laughs> I can't. Like, the, oh yeah, I didn't mention inverse society. That was a thing earlier. Didn't even. What's inverse society? That was the name of the cult from the Superman and Lois episode. Oh, mm. okay. So, like, I wrote that down. I'm like, inverse? <laughs> I don't know what that means. So Sounds like it could be a real thing. It could yeah. be. Yeah. It, it kind of does. It kind of sounds like something that Archive 81 would yeah, it bring does. up. It does. Uh, because, like, um, have you watched that series yet? No, I haven't. Um, so, basically, I think you would really like it, but it's a long commitment. Where is it? It's on it's Netflix. On Netflix. It's it's a very long commitment. Uh, are you a, are you like a found footage fan? Imagine like found sure. imagine found footage uh, thriller rather than fo- found footage horror. Mm-hmm. It's a thriller. Like when they first advertised it, I thought it was going to be a horror series, but it wasn't. No, it's not. But um, basically, there's a cult within the um, TV show series, and it kind of sounds like what Brett brought up. It kind of sounds like it's related to that show, but it's not because. The whole theory is they have a deity that's called Calypso. Calego. Calego, my bad. Hmm. See, I remember that because I wrote it down at one mm-hmm. time. <laughs> um, so Calego is either a demon or a deity, depending who's looking at it. Mm. And basically... Pitching he, the show is impossible. Yeah, but hmm. he wants to come to our world, which is like 2022, but he has like his own mirror universe, which is kind of like inverted. What? Just do this. Yes. It's a cult in an apartment building. It's an apartment building cult. That sounds intriguing. Mm-hmm. It's like go. the Blair. Um, I, I almost said Blair White again. The Blair White. <laughs> if she ever has that a documentary, that is what I want to see. If she ever has a documentary, it better be called the Blair White Project. The Blair White Project. Oh yeah. my gosh! If but she n- doesn't do that, she's leaving money on the table. Yeah, but um, it's a Blair Witch kind of project okay. in the beginning. But then you meet um, what's is it Mamadou? The actor's name's Mamadou Athi, yeah. Yeah, mm. so he's the main actor, but he was hired to fix, like, these tapes. And, like, slowly he goes insane because he sees the girl that he's watching the tapes of in his dreams. And he's like, maybe I'm going insane because I haven't seen other people. It Who sound, knows? It sounds supernatural, not it, just thriller. It is. It is, like, supernatural, like, like just that. a hidden thing. I okay. think you might like it. Both you and Alex might like it. Cool. But it's a long commitment. Yeah, like eight at, episodes mm-hmm. at fifty six minutes a piece is. Uh, I can live with that. It's, uh, yeah, well, it's check, good. I could, I could do that. Yeah, well, I'm there's one that. episode that's like only forty five minutes and it goes quickly. Okay. So you don't notice anything. And Brett did get mad at me because I said two characters didn't matter, but they did kind of matter to the plot. They didn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> when I ask you if they matter, I don't ask if they matter to yeah. you. I'm asking you if they matter to the show. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> You see what I have to deal with here? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a full-time job, man. It's a full-time yeah. job, yeah. man. I mean, it's entertaining to listen to. Yeah. You just getting mad at me, and I'm like, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Chris, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks mm-hmm. for having me. Dude, uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, Chris Carr, 17 on Twitter. That's Are, where you can find me. This is the real question. Uh, where does the 17 come from? Uh, from uh, It's the second two numerals of uh, Sam Mendez's ninth 
2019 masterpiece, 1917, which Perfect. is a great movie. Mm. One of the one of the best eight things that Britain has ever produced. <laughs> one of the only eight things. But yeah. don't you drink tea? No. No. Oh, okay. No, you don't understand the amount <laughs> of hatred that I have for Britain and British culture. But you, you're Southern. Like, don't you drink sweet tea? That's a thing, right? That's very different. Thing. Very oh, okay. different. Yeah, yeah. But like, I was just trying to make a connection. Go like, uh, British people gave you tea so you can make sweet tea. Ain't no connection here. It's like saying <laughs> Ain't that, none. It's like saying Greek people are like uh, Italians invented pasta when everyone knows that it was China that Thank invested you. pasta. There Though, you go. I'm liable to believe that that's communist have, propaganda. Oh my god! It sounds ha, like commie BS. Sounds to me. like commie. Commie. Com, it sounds like communist propaganda to speaking me. Of, I'm just saying. Speaking <laughs> about communist propaganda, there's this guy who is a professor. He claims that China created English. Perfect. My <laughs> it's so dumb. Honestly, it's the North Korean <laughs> propaganda is the best out of oh, all yeah. of it. Like, it, like it's literally showing him be, like the. Um, Shot to the moon, like mm-hmm. on the outside of a spaceship. Yeah, it's great. really good. It's great. Committed all the way. All I love. Way. It. You got to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Miracle. Tell yes. everyone your social media. I don't have social media because it rots your brain. This is very true. E. And if you want to follow me on social media where your brain will not rot, you can follow me on Instagram at Brett Dasovic. If you want to follow the show, please go to the YouTube channel first. That would help us greatly. Mm-hmm. Like all the videos, subscribe to the channel, leave comments. Miracle loves it when you leave comments. It's yep. her favorite thing in the entire world. Well, and recently then, I haven't read them, but if you do say something interesting. Say something maybe, nice. Yeah. Um, and then if you go into the description video of any of those, uh, of any of the cut up segments, you'll get a link to the Spotify playlist, which has the full unabridged uh, episode. Uh, we're on, we just finished episode 47. Yep. It's not just Spotify. We are also available on Pandora, on Amazon Music, and on Apple Podcasts. And we are on social media Twitter at pop culture underscore show make Dane our other guest host very happy follow us on Facebook and on TikTok at pop culture crisis and we'll be back with another episode tomorrow bye guys bye bye